Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Can you guys help me with something? Why is it that whenever Rob and I take one day off, we start to get texts and emails? Hey, did you guys get fired? Did you guys quit? No. We did not quit. Yesterday was a comp day. It was a holiday from the company, so we took it. I wanted to work yesterday. I was ready and prepared to work. But if your boss sent you an email and said, you don't got to come in today, you know what I did during the show? I took a nap. I had a nice lunch at Garozo's. I had the shrimp spadini. Oh, it was divine. But we're back. Everything is good. Everything has returned to normal. Let's do this. Another day, another dollar, another edition of The Drive. My name is Karen Harrison, still employed by Odyssey. Rob Britton, still employed by Odyssey, at least for the time being. We appreciate your concern yesterday, but I am here to report I am fine. Rob is also fine. We are fine. We have a lot planned over the course of the next four hours. Binkley is going to join us in studio as today is the first day that you can franchise tag one of your players. And the Chiefs have two major candidates. They have cornerback Legereus Sneed. They also have defensive lineman Chris Jones. Those are the two most likely franchise tag candidates. And like a golden ticket, only one of them can get the franchise tag. We'll talk to Binkley to figure out who can get the franchise tag or who he thinks will from the Kansas City Chiefs. Steve Spagnuolo was also on the station earlier today. We'll play the best of that conversation for you coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. We have a lot planned as we now officially are heading into the offseason with the Kansas City Chiefs. We plan to do that in a bit, but first we're going to start with the Kansas City Royals. Is Now we have a date of when the vote is going to be for the downtown stadium and also improvements to Arrowhead Stadium. But before we get to any of that, it returns... Pizza time on the drive is back. Carrington, dial me up right now. Caller number 6, 913-586-7610. Caller number 6 wins a pizza from our friends over at Pizza Tasio. Pizza Tasio is Kansas City's best New York-style pizza, and they have taken over the town. They lovingly use 100% whole milk mozzarella, all organic tomato sauce with locally grown fresh ingredients, all made by KC guys who both know and love pizza. So whether you're hungry and want a full pie or maybe just want some slices to snack on, be sure to visit them now. Pizzatasio.com. Pizza Tasio. 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 P
com. That's pizza, T-A-S-C-I-O.com. I need you guys to do me a couple of favors. Number one, I need you to listen to The Drive each day at 2 o'clock on 6 Sun Sports Radio, 6 com, and the Odyssey app. And you know what? I need you to tell two friends because yesterday we were off. We haven't been telling you to tell friends. It's been a lot going on. So if you could tell just two friends to make up for the friends you didn't tell over the last couple of days, I would greatly appreciate it. Very happy to be back. I want to read you a letter from KC Tenets. Now, you guys might remember we had the people from KC Tenets on the show, and we'll play some of that interview for you later on today. But the people of KC Tenets, they have been some of the most active and vocal people about the Royal Stadium moving downtown. They wrote a letter. Now, for full transparency, we reached back out to the people of KC Tenants to have them join the show. You guys know how we get down on this show. We reached out. Rob talked to them today, and they said that they will be on the show Monday, that this week they are going to let their letter speak for themselves. They are not going to do any media, any press, but when they start to lift the ban on press, they will be on the show Monday so we can discuss the letter that they wrote to you, the public of Kansas City. And you know what? I am inclined to read this for you because I think it's important. Quote, we love our city, and because of that love, we refuse to pay for our own displacement as landlords raise rents across the city. And as our people struggle to find decent homes, the proposed downtown stadium would usher in a new wave of gentrification like many products have in other cities. The proposed sales tax to fund the stadium would cost our neighbors $50 million each year for the next 40 years. This is around $167 per household per year, all to pay for a playground for the wealthy and for tourists. Let's stop here. In a lot of things, I am actually on the side of KC tenants. I believe that they are one of the few groups in the city that are actually about it. A lot of these special interest groups talk about it, but we don't really see the action. They don't really be out there like that. The KC tenant people, they have a track record of getting stuff done. I like their energy. A couple of years ago, they disrupted a play at Starlight. They don't care. They are very radical in their belief. And you know what? I'm with it. I support them. Hold on now. Because all I've heard on the text line is, is how much you guys don't want to help pay for the stadium and how you're tired of it. We're talking about $167. Rob, that's what we've been arguing over for the last three, four, five months. Because if there's anybody I know did the work and did the data, it's the people at KC Tenants. We're arguing over $160 a household in Jackson County. That's the debate here. $160. You can't even buy Jordans with $167 in today's time. You can't buy a PlayStation. $167 per household. That's what we're arguing. This is also a problem that I have with this letter from KC Tenants, and I plan on talking to him about it next week. They called Kauffman Stadium a playground for the wealthy and for tourists. Now, I'm not struggling over here, but I certainly would not call myself one of the wealthy. I go to Kauffman Stadium. I imagine many of you go to Kauffman Stadium. Rob, are you a wealthy? I mean, I saw your lunch earlier today. You might be a wealthy, but for the sake of this conversation, you are also not a wealthy. 
You've been to Kauffman Stadium. You are also not a tourist. One of the problems and disconnect that I have with some of the conversation about the downtown stadium is we talk about the Royals and the stadium like it's not a part of our community, and it is. There's a lot of things you can say about the Royals, a lot of things you can say about Kauffman Stadium. I would never argue that they're not part of our community. So when we call the stadium a playground for the wealthy, that's not true. The Royals last year were begging everybody to go to the stadium. They were handing out tickets left and right. $5. Hey, we'll put extra hot dogs on your ticket. We'll give you a drink. We'll Please come out to the stadium. That's not what I would consider Kauffman Stadium to be. This is an unfair characterization of what the Royals are and what Kauffman Stadium is and what it means to our community to simply downgrade it to a playground for the wealthy and for its tourists. It also says that this is a regressive tax, a tax on the working class. This tax revenue plus future incentive deal with the city would redirect our money from schools. Other services would be among the largest transfers of public money to private corporations in our region's history. I would like to point out, and I do say this to somebody who plans on voting yes April 2nd. This is a tax that we have already been paying. So I don't really know if it redirects money from our schools or other social services. I guess you could argue that instead of paying for the stadium, we can now pay for these other things in addition to what we are already paying. But it sounds like what we are currently paying is a pretty small amount. $167 per household to the Kansas City Royals. Sounds like a very, very small number to me. And then continues on. John Sherman and the Royals ownership have withheld critical information from the public, waiting until a week before early voting to announce their location. They have made no substantial commitments to the community. KC Tenants has been invited to discuss the project, but we have refused to engage in negotiations while the deals of the while the details of the deals remain inaccessible to the public. Negotiations without transparency are not negotiations at all. They are a sham. Couple of things here. They're kind of right. I do think the Royals have been kind of shady with the information. I do think that the Royals have slow played this thing for much of the process. I still believe that there is a lot of things about the stadium that we don't know. Now, on the other hand, and this is not me defending the Royals, I didn't think that the billion-dollar company that is putting up a billion dollars was just going to give us free reign to their information. So I don't know if it's realistic to go into this thinking that it is a true partnership no matter what they say. I know the Royals went out there yesterday, and Rob, we have the audio. We can play it for you. The Royals have told you how this is a partnership and private-public and how we're all one big happy family. No, we're not. You guys are in a position of power And we only know what you want us to know about this downtown stadium. So I'm actually with Casey Tenets on this part. I do believe that the Royals have withheld critical information. I do think that they have slow played this thing. I have been critical of the Royals and how they've handled this from the absolute beginning. And I don't think that we are ever going to have this pure negotiation with transparency and the Royals are holding hands with community leaders If this thing passed, they are coming to take your business. 
If this thing passes in a couple of months, April 2nd, and the people of Jackson County say, yes, we want this stadium downtown, and yes, we want to continue to help sus- uh, subsidize Arrowhead Stadium, I am telling you that if there is a disagreement between you and the Royals, you are not stopping their $2 billion project. They are coming to take your business away from you. It also goes on in the letter to say that the teams who would benefit from this tax may threaten to leave Kansas City. And that we must not allow ourselves to be manipulated into a vote against our best interests. Vote for the future of Kansas City and vote for the people who make this place great. Vote no on April 2nd. This is where me and the people of KC tenants are once again on opposite sides. I believe that the Royals make this place great. I know that we like to be disenchanted with how they've played over the last couple of years. And I'm with you in a lot of ways. It's still better to have the Royals than not have them. That's still better than the alternative, right? Having a losing baseball team is better than not having a baseball team. Having the stadium in your county is better than not having it in your county. And the $167 a month is something that I'm willing to pay. In fact, I actually think I'm getting off pretty good in the deal. I don't mind giving them the $167 on average per household. It then goes on to say that KC tenants have a vision for a better Kansas City, one where public resources are used for public goods, such as housing, schools, mental health services, transportation, and more. I am all for all of those things. And in the weeks to come, we will be engaging in a campaign to listen to the people of this city. Please get in touch with KC tenants to join in. We have reached out to the people of KC Tenants, and our plan is to have them on Monday. I wish we could have had them on today, but they respectfully declined on coming on the show. But we can open up the phone line, so this 913-586-7610. And I understand that not everybody listening is for the downtown stadium. And some of you plan on voting no in April 2nd. You guys know where I am. I plan on voting yes. I'm very much for keeping the stadium in Jackson County. But a couple of my issues with this letter is it doesn't make Kauffman Stadium sound like it is an important part of our community, and it is. And I agree that there are going to be some negatives and some drawbacks to where where they are putting the stadium. But that is one of those trade-offs that I think a lot of people in Jackson County are going to be willing to make, and there are people that are going to be on the other side. But I do think, and I think all people can agree with this, all we ever wanted was the opportunity to put this to a vote and let the people of Jackson County decide. And now the plan is out there. And I expect over the course of the next two months, we will continue to get more and more information that when you go to the ballot, you can make an informed adult decision about what you want to do. That is all I ever wanted. And we are getting closer and closer to that. And we are starting to hear more and more arguments of no. And I'm sure you've seen on social media, Rob. I've seen on social media. The people that are opposed to this have been very, very vocal. And it will be very interesting to see how the Royals, over the course of the next 35, 45 days or so, how they really try to spin this thing and try to get their vision passed. I do want to be clear about this. As much as I want a downtown stadium, this vision is their vision. It is not our vision. I'm fine with it. I am for the downtown stadium. But from the moment John Sherman took over control of the Kansas City Royals, this has been his plan from the beginning. From the first press conference that he had as the owner of the Kansas City Royals, he has told you his vision. It is to build the stadium that they showed us last week. 
That is their vision. A week ago, that is their plan. They finally got it onto the ballot. It'll be very interesting to see how they get this thing passed and what help they get from the Kansas City Chiefs. Because also in this conversation, it is not being, it is not being sold as an extension of the tax. It is being sold solely as a downtown stadium. And as we get further and further into the campaign part of this, it is not just saying no to the downtown stadium. I firmly believe that a no vote on April 2nd is you telling the Kansas City Chiefs that they are fine moving to Kansas. And I am not fine with the Kansas City Chiefs moving to Kansas. We can keep this conversation going on the other side. 913-586-7610. Speaking of the Chiefs, DraftKings has put out their odds for where Chris Jones' next team is going to be. I'll tell you the top five next. Keep it right here. It's the drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Remember to follow the show on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Download the Odyssey app and listen to The Drive with Carrington wherever you are. We are going through the letter from KC Tenants. We reached out to them to have them come on the show. They said that this week they are doing a media freeze, but on Monday they plan on coming on the show, and I am very excited to talk to the people of KC Tenants. Their letter starts with, we love our city, and because of that love, we refuse to play for our own displacement. As landlords raise rents across the city, and as our people struggle to find decent homes, the proposed downtown stadium would usher in a new wave of gentrification like such products have in many other cities. It then says that the proposed sales tax to fund the stadium would cost our neighbors $50 million each year for 40 years. That averages out to $167 per household per year, all to pay for a playground for the wealthy and for tourists. I just strongly push back on the idea that Kauffman Stadium is a playground for the wealthy. A majority of us, I don't want to say all of us, I'm not here to assume, but I would assume many of you listening at one point have been to Kauffman Stadium, and that is just not what I would call a playground for the wealthy or for tourists. I would call it a very important fixture in our community. And the tax is to ensure that Kauffman Stadium stays in our community. That's how I perceive the tax, but that is how KC tenants. See, it. I have seen a lot of people come out against it because of the displacement of small businesses down at Crossroads. And I think that is a very, very strong argument. I do think that it is very important to note, at least in this conversation, them, I guess the argument of preserving the Crossroads, Rob, does not seem like that is at the core forefront of this argument. Now, maybe I'm wrong on the footprint of it, but I don't see a lot of homes that would be displaced in them putting the stadium right there. I see a lot of businesses that would be displaced by them moving it, but I don't see that a lot of people are going to have to leave their home based on the footprint of the stadium. Is that how you see the footprint of where the stadium is going to be? Yeah, I've always felt like the footprint of the stadium, at least based on the renderings we got last week, literally at this time last week, always showed that it would be, Inevitably displacing some businesses, but I never saw any homes, apartments, any sort of housing in that area. Unless there's housing to the north or to the east of the Casey Star building that I'm unaware of, I did not know there would be any displaced housing. But maybe I have the footprint a little bit wrong. Let's go to the phone lines, 913-586-7610. Art, you called into the drive. Hey, Art, how you doing today, my man? Good. Yes. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I was calling about the stadium, and uh, <clears throat> I'm opposed against it simply because uh, I understand uh, the way they're talking. To me, this is uh, legalized con artists. You know, this uh, John Sherman, he's got the money. He's got the big bucks. Uh, he didn't help me pay for my house, so why should I help him pay for his house, you know? And the thing of it is, uh, I'm 90 years old. I I won't be around when this thing is going on, but it's still... We are taxed to death, believe me, uh, especially the people on fixed income in this community and around the country in general. We are locked in between a rock and a hard spot, and we are paying the price regardless because we are consumers and we have got to foot part of the bill no matter what. But nevertheless, I say for everybody that's for the stadium, wants to vote for it, that's fine. You go ahead and do it. But then again, you pay for it. Don't ask me to pay for it. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, the Royals, get out of Dodge. That's where I'm coming from. Thank you for taking my call. No problem, Art. I appreciate the phone call, Art. Let's go back to the phone lines, 913-586-7610. TJ, you want to chime in on this? Hey, TJ. Yeah, hey, Carrington. Yeah, you know, I, too, want the Royals, you know, to stay in Kansas City. I want them to be downtown. You know, I'm, I'm a fan. You know, but, you know, I think the problem is, as a Jackson County resident, is, you know, our property taxes have tripled in the last three to to five years. And, and we really have nothing to show for it. And it just se- it seems like the city wants more. And that's you know? a very and, 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 and that's a very fair argument. It, I, let me ask you this. Is, is your op- I guess maybe the opposition to the stadium. Do you oppose to where they're putting it? Because at first, when they first planned this, they were going to put it in East Village, and it wasn't really going to have to really displace anything. It was a lot of open area. I am surprised that they are going with this plan that is in the in in direct. I mean, they're putting it on top of where businesses are. I am surprised that they went with this plan over the original one. You know, I that that's not a concern to me. You know, I mean, I think I think they'll give the people fair market value for their property. I don't think they're really looking to push anybody out. You know, I mean, some people might be opposed to that. You know, but but I think I think in in the end, I think most people will probably be compensated. You know, correctly for for you know being displaced or whatever you want to call it. You know, but the big thing is, you know, it's like. How much? I know you say it's only one hundred and sixty-seven dollars a family, but it's like, geez, you know, it's like, you know, how many, you know, our, our property taxes have gone up so high that it's like, what do you, what, what's the city doing with the money if they're not giving it to Jack, the Jackson County, you know, uh, sports authorities? You know, it's like, where, where's our money going? You know, I mean, at some point, you know, I mean, granted, they are building building a new Buck O'Neill Bridge and all that stuff, but. I mean, at some point, you know, you 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 want to you want to see where your money's going. You want to you want to return on your on your investment. And TJ, that's a very fair point. I appreciate the phone call, and I certainly know that the property tax in Jackson County has hurt a lot of people, and it has been a tremendous increase on taxes. And that has been a very common argument that I've heard. Hey, you guys have taken all this money. Why is this money also not going? towards the stadium. I think that is a very, very fair argument. We actually found some of the audio from the last time that we had KC Tenants on the show. We had Denise Brown. I believe she is their media contact. That's why I'm hoping that we have on the show next week. She, like many of you, said, I don't want to pay for the stadium. Sherman is a billionaire. But yet, he wants us to fund 
stadium for him? That stadium could be done by private donations. And if he's a billionaire, he definitely knows how to work that and do it. If he chose to do it that way. Maybe this is just a part of the argument that I am just resigned to in all of this. And I'm not saying that it is right. In fact, when you think about it morally, it is probably wrong. This is just the cost of having a professional sports team in your city. Like, this is one of the things that you are going to help pay for. That John Sherman is incredibly wealthy. I'm assuming a lot of his peoples are also incredibly wealthy. But if you want to live in a city that has professional sports, part of your taxes is going to help to ensure that that team stays where you live. Now, I know that the Royals are very different than some of the other cities, that if you vote no on these things, like I've seen a lot of people say this. Well, if it votes no, then why won't the Chiefs just do it? This is a very unique argument, I think, when it comes. But, Rob, can you show me the American city over the last 30 years that has received a no vote and things just continue to be status quo? Because I can give you at least 10 examples of what a no vote means. And if you are like Art and you don't care where the Royals play and you don't care if they play in Wyandotte County, you don't care if they play in Nashville or San Antonio, if you are just like, I am done paying for it, I am not here to change your mind when it comes to that. But if you do want the Royals and you also want the Royals to remain in Jackson County, these are the only options you have, yes or no. I don't think that there is another option where you vote no and then the Royals come back in a year with a new plan. It's like, hey, well, we're going to stay exactly where we are. You guys were right. No, a no vote means that you are fine with them moving somewhere else. Now, I don't think they are moving outside of the Kansas City metro area, but it is you saying that you are fine with it. I also think that is a danger that you run with the Chiefs. I think if the Chiefs Chiefs were 100% independent, I don't know why the Chiefs would be in this. Hey, we're going to break away from the Royals. We're going to let the Royals do their own thing. Our interests are very different than the Royals. The Royals want a completely new stadium aside from the Truman Sports Complex. That is not what we want. The Chiefs have said that on record. We want to keep this here. And I also believe that a no vote on this, and I think we'll see the Chiefs continue to push this thing more. I personally believe that a no vote on this is saying that you are also fine with the Chiefs moving to Kansas that maybe I'm wrong on this, and maybe in six months the Chiefs will then come back and say, oh, well, we'll let the Royals do their own thing. We'll re-vote, and now you'll vote for us. But I think the conversation that the Chiefs have about moving over to Wyandotte County and moving closer and closer to Kansas Speedway, I think those conversations only intensify if this thing doesn't pass here coming up on April 2nd. Speaking of the Kansas City Chiefs, Rob, let me read to you, currently on DraftKings, These are the five most likely teams for Chris Jones to play for for this upcoming season. Well, the Chiefs are number one, and they are resounding favorites in this. Minus 350, big favorites for Chris Jones to be on the team next year. Number two on this list, the Chicago Bears at plus 475. So that means for every dollar that you bet, you almost win about $5. The Houston Texans at plus 650. On this list, the Lions at plus 900, the Raiders at plus 2,000. I think that Chris Jones can go play for any team he wants as long as not in the division. I think Chiefs fans will understand, hey, you helped us win three rings. You got your money. You got paid. If Chris Jones goes to play for the Raiders, oh, boy, the boos that he will receive when he comes back to Kansas City, 
in eight, nine months will not be friendly at all. Now, you guys know where I sit. I do not think that Chris Jones is going to be on the team next year. I think that Chris Jones is going to play for another team. I actually really like the Houston Texans. I think Houston makes a lot of sense. Quarterback on a rookie contract. You have a defensive-minded head coach. You feel like you have the quarterback in place, so now you maybe have three, four years to take advantage of his rookie contract so you can take on a defensive contract that you were not expecting to take on, and you can go get a difference maker in the uh, on your defensive side. I actually think the Texans make a lot of sense to go out and make a very serious play for Chris Jones. They're also not a team that I think would trade for Chris Jones. I think they got way too much cap space, and they can go in so many different directions. I don't think they're a real tag-and-trade possibility. Out of this list and this grouping, I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards Chicago because of the closeness of Ryan Poles. They also have the fifth-most cap space to spend. I think Houston, a team on a rookie contract, also makes a lot of sense. So a couple things. One, I want to get ahead of this. If you believe it is Chicago, I want the record to show that does not mean the Chiefs getting are getting a number one or number nine overall pick back. Like, do we agree on that? I, I'm getting ahead of it on the text line, Carrington. You know how, I, how the text line is. Did you guys say Chicago? Maybe they'll give us a number one overall pick for Chris Jones. No, I want to get ahead of that as soon as possible. Yeah, no, you're not getting anything from Chicago. So that's first and foremost. Chicago also doesn't have a second round pick. Correct. All they have is they, they have the first pick. They have the ninth pick. Now they could get a second round pick, but I guess in this trade, I don't see them trading Justin Fields for them to use those assets to now go get Chris Jones. I agree. We're on the same page there. I just wanted to get, because you know how the text line is with Marvin Harrison Jr. That's first and foremost. I've actually seen a lot of Brock Bowers conversation now. I've seen a lot of, let's go get our Travis Kelsey replacement. Let's go get Brock Bowers out of Georgia. We have a lot of times we now in April. I'm a big Brock Bowers fan. He's going to go like seventh overall, though. Man, those odds are overwhelming that Kansas City is the team. Listen, these things are fluid. They fluctuate all the time. Like, at one point, Justin Fields was most likely to end up in Pittsburgh. Now the betting markets say Russell Wilson is most likely to end up in Pittsburgh. The betting markets, when it comes to free agency and trades, is extremely fluid. It's extremely volatile. Those things all need to be said. But minus 350? That is overwhelming favorite that he's back with the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe he's back with the Chiefs. I think... What he said at the podium, albeit may have come after being overserved, does matter. And the fact that the Chiefs have at every juncture with Chris Jones tried to keep him on the team and they talk about how much they love Chris and all these things matter. The fact they retained their tag rights last Friday matters to me. But I'm surprised someone who puts a little wager down here and there as often as you do is just ignoring the minus 350. That's like Kansas versus Washburn level of odds. That's a huge number. Well, I imagine you put a lot of stock into what Adam Schefter has to say of ESPN. And Adam Schefter made a list yesterday about players who he thinks starting today. So today is the opening of the franchise tag window. You have two weeks. If you want to place a franchise tag on a player that is on your team, you got 14 days to do so. He didn't include Chris Jones on his on his original list, his initial list on players he thought were going to get franchise tag. He didn't have Chris Jones. He then went back and he put, due to his 2023 cap number, Chiefs defensive lineman Chris Jones' projected franchise tag would be $32 million instead of the regular 19.7, making him an unlikely tag candidate. 
Now, I don't believe that Adam Schefter just out of nowhere throws that little bit of that little tidbit of information unless he has been hearing that from somebody. There is not a single human being who is more plugged into the business side of the National Football League than Adam Schefter. I don't think that he was going purely off opinion. I think he was going off reporting and what he has heard from people in the know that either the Chiefs have made it clear to him that they are not franchising franchise tagging Chris Jones or other teams feel very strongly that Chris Jones is not going to be the franchise tag player. And you and I both know, and this is why I feel so strongly about it. And someone on the text line says, CDOT, you're going to have to keep selling me the consumer that Chris Jones is not coming back, especially after he said he's coming back. I feel like somehow, some way he ends up back on the chiefs. He is about to hit free agency in my opinion. And I just don't think if you are the number one free agent on the market, that is not a quarterback. I would probably rank it. I think number one is going to be Kirk Cousins just because of the position he plays. He is a good quarterback who is an unrestricted free agent. Kirk Cousins is going to get a pretty good contract. And I would say number two on that list, I think, is Chris Jones. You've got a 30-year-old defensive lineman who we believe is headed to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And now, for the first time in his career, He has never had a a possibility where he could go visit other organizations, could go talk to other organizations, and could now listen and field offers from other organizations. He is going to have that opportunity coming up in about two weeks. I think he takes it. And I think a team is just going to make an offer to Chris Jones that he just can't refuse. That as much as he loves Kansas City and wants to be here, as much as he loves the Chiefs, I think there's just going to be a number that comes in that he just says, all right, man, I'll take it. And if Chris Jones really wanted to play for the Chiefs, I think he could have played for the Chiefs last year. I think he could have done He could have signed it. They could have had a long-term agreement. Maybe he wouldn't have got everything that he wanted, but he could have got like 92% of what he wanted to stay long-term with the Chiefs, and he didn't do it. So now I personally just find it hard to believe that you go through that entire process. You guys were that far apart that you made a decision that you were going to miss a regular season game. And now as you sit days away from having the ability to talk to the other 31 teams in the league, you're like, nah, man, I'm good. I want to come back. You've had the chances to come back. So that's why I personally don't believe that Chris Jones is going to be on the team next year. So I know what the Vegas odds say. I'm going to stand here wagging my finger at the Vegas odds and say, you are wrong on this thing. I do not believe that Chris Jones is going to be on the team next year. Me and you are going to stand in opposition to this. And we'll find out in the next, between now and March 5th, that's the tag window. I also think it's possible, and I, I, Adam Schefter is as good as anyone, that it's unlikely the Chiefs use the tag. It's possible the Chiefs could use the tag and extend the negotiation window, too. I think you are ignoring that possibility just because a player is tagged does not mean that player is going to play under the tag or go into the league year under the tag. No, true. I think it's very possible the chiefs franchise tag Chris Jones in name far more than game just to extend their negotiating window because they know they're up against it. I'm going to stand in line with Vegas and they didn't build those casinos on the backs of losing. They say Chris Jones is minus 350 to be a chief. I was already feeling that before. This has solidified my stance. I think if you have a 95 jersey and this is just my opinion, I feel pretty safe in saying 95 Chris Jones will be back on the team next to the Chiefs or at least it is Brett Veach's preference that he be a chief. We can keep this conversation going, 913-586-7610. The text line is pretty split on this. See, it's not Chris Jones you have to worry about. It's his agents and him being their meal ticket. 
I think we are giving Chris Jones a level of deniability in this whole thing. I think the Chiefs have offered a very fair deal to Chris Jones, and I think Chris Jones is standing pretty firmly on this is my worth. And, Rob, what I would say based on what you're saying is is the Chiefs cannot be players in free agency under your strategy. If they franchise tag Chris Jones and lock themselves in for the early part of $32 million, there is no waiting to get a deal done until July, and then you can go out there and make a move at linebacker or make a move at offensive line or make a move at wide receiver. Keeping Chris Jones is your move this offseason, and however long it takes you to figure out, it takes you to figure out. I just don't know if they're going to tie up that much cap space and really limit their flexibility as the league year starts to be able to maneuver and do some of the other things that they need to while they try to figure it out for, for Chris Jones. You had an entire year to figure it out with Chris Jones. You didn't figure it out. I think we're going to have a very similar conversation here coming up in 10 days that we had about Orlando Brown. I think we're going to have that same conversation around Chris Jones. Coming up on the other side, there also was a player that has been linked to Kansas City that I think you guys would be really excited about. I'll tell you who it is. Keep it right here. It's the drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this. On your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Your home for Chiefs football in Kansas City is 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. play this audio for you guys coming up in a bit we were talking about chris jones today is the first day that the franchise tag window is open so the chiefs have two weeks to make a decision on chris jones at least in relation to the franchise tag now you can just you can agree to a deal long term with chris jones and you can make an announcement it just doesn't happen until the league year i think you guys understand what i'm saying at least when it comes to this text line 913 Five eight six seven six one zero. See dot. I believe that Chris Jones wants to be here. I think that's pretty obvious. Like I just don't see a guy doubling, tripling down, and then leaving. I at least want to be clear about this one thing because I understand. It seems like I am on the minority when it comes to Chris Jones, and this is the stance that Rob, you know, I have had a stance on Chris Jones is not coming back for a year now. I think that we have seen the last of Chris Jones. The Chiefs offered Chris Jones a contract last season. He declined it. They offered him, according to Nate Taylor, they're going to make him the second highest paid defensive tackle in the National Football League behind Aaron Donald. They offered him a two-year fully guaranteed extension. That was $54.5 million, which would pay him an average annual salary of $27.5 million. Chris Jones had a chance to lock himself in with the Kansas City Chiefs. He said no to that deal last year. Now, I don't have a problem with him saying no. I know that we have made his agent seem like they are the worst people in the world. He is worth far more than $27.5 million. And that's why, at least for the basis of this conversation, they're about to owe him 32. I don't think that we've seen that the Chiefs want to pay Chris Jones that much money. I also don't think we have evidence to believe that Chris Jones is willing to take that much of a financial hit to continue playing for the Chiefs. You've had the chance to do that already. If you wanted to stay in Kansas City come hell or high water and you just want to play for the Kansas City Chiefs, they were going to make you an incredibly wealthy individual and give you great financial security moving forward. You wanted that third-year guaranteed money. The Chiefs were very unwilling to do that. 
I would say that the Chiefs have really shown you no reason to think that they value Chris Jones the way that the rest of the league values Chris Jones or close to the contract that he wants. And if we are staring down the barrel of, you offered me 27, I'm worth 32, and I could potentially hit the market and get 33 or more, he is going to have to make one of the biggest financial sacrifices we've seen for a team. That's a pretty big difference in contract for a team. If they offered you 27, you can go get 33, 34, maybe 35 on the market and tie Nick Bosa for a deal, and you're willing to take a $27, $28 million deal. There is nobody that wants to play with Patrick Mahomes more than Chris Jones in that scenario. And maybe this year, this playoff run, he has had an epiphany. His eyes are open. He's like, man, you know, I really love Kansas City. I want to continue to play for Kansas City. So you know what? To hell with that money. That's just not how football players think, man. That's not how people who are on the verge of cashing out in a way that he is on the verge of doing. I just don't think they do that. So it is certainly possible that coming up in 10 days, we will have open phone lines and you guys can make fun of me for how strong I am on this opinion. I do not think that Chris Jones is on the team next season. I think he is going to be a free agent. And I think that we are going to see a deal on day one of free agency, whether it be from the Chicago Bears, whether it's from the Houston Texans, whether it's from one of these teams. I think we will all say, oh, I get it. I get it. You signed four years, $115 million. I get why you didn't take the two for 54 that the Chiefs offers you last season. You have more money, more guarantees, and more financial security in this new contract. It makes sense why you took that deal. Coming up at the top of the hour, I got a little bit of an issue with the Kansas City Star. I'll tell you what that issue is here coming up in just a bit. I want to play for you what Jeff Darlington had to say of ESPN. Listen to the name he threw out for the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's get to Mike Evans now, though. This is the most interesting one to me of all, perhaps of the offseason in general. If the Bucks can't lock him up and he does commit to going elsewhere, the Kansas City Chiefs should absolutely be per- pursuing Mike Evans. To me, we should not forget. I understand the dynasty that is the Chiefs. I talked about how they can morph into many different things. But we should not forget the middle of the season. We should not forget the league-leading number of drops that the Chiefs face. I don't know that it is sustainable to do what they did in this postseason. They've got to go get weapons, and Mike Evans should be absolutely at the top of their list. He would be a game-changer for Patrick Mahomes. Now, Rob, you know that I've had my opinions about Mike Evans, and it's not that I'm down on. I'm not down on Mike Evans. You guys just have him in the Hall of Fame, and I don't have him in the Hall of Fame. I've never denied that Mike Evans is a very talented wide receiver, a very, very good wide receiver. This is a fantastic move if it happens, and Mike Evans is near the top of my list. If they're going to be in the veteran wide receiver market, which I think they will be, like right now, Rob, if you were asking me early, early before we get to the combine, this is like the real first day of the offseason. I think the Chiefs take a decent swing in free agency and they go get a Calvin Ridley type. They go get a Mike Evans. So you spend a little bit of money in free agency. And I think they address the offensive line, whether it's at left tackle, whether it's preparing for, hey, we're not going to have Creed Humphrey maybe moving forward. We're not going to have Trey Smith. I think now I think they're probably going to go offensive line in round one of the NFL draft. Mike Evans is a Mike Evans is a really, really good 
a really, really good option to go out there in free agency and spend a little money on. You probably get Mike Evans for around what Odell was. Do they want to spend that much money on a veteran wide receiver? I mean, if I'm if I'm Mike Evans and I saw what Odell Beckham just got in free agency, he signed a $15 million deal. I mean, two for 30, maybe two for 32. Odell got around 13 guaranteed. I mean, it was basically a fully guaranteed deal. I think it's I think that's what Mike Evans is worth. I think he's worth a two year sixteen per kind of contract. I'm not against spending a little bit of money to going out there and get Mike Evans and having a real down the field threat that this organization hasn't had in the last couple of seasons since losing Tyree Kill. I'm for them going out to go get Mike Evans. I'm absolutely for it. Hundred percent. Listen, what Jeff Darlington said in the middle there is kind of how I feel. I was on this Patrick Mahomes is so great he doesn't need wide receivers, he'll keep doing it by himself bandwagon. I felt that way for a while. But the middle of this season, I turned. And even though they won the Super Bowl and they were incredible in the postseason, I think what happened in the middle of the season still matters, and we still need to look at it as a data point. They led the NFL in drops. They had a problem all season at wide receiver. The text line can be all unicorns and rainbows today because they had a Super Bowl championship parade. But at the end of the day, in October, they had issues. So I then pivoted to, hey, Mahomes cannot continue to do more with less forever. So my offseason plan is very simple. Sign Mike Evans, draft A.D. Mitchell, keep having parades. Because Rice, Mitchell, and Evans is as good a 1-2-3 in the NFL as you will find. So I am admitting I was wrong in the past. I was fine with the MVS Justin Watson plan because Tyree Kill was too expensive. I've pivoted off that. It's time to pay money for some wide receivers. Draft A.D. Mitchell out of Texas in the first round. Sign Mike Evans. Keep having parades. That is going to be my slogan into the offseason. Mitchell Evans parades 2024. Someone on the text line says, CDOT, he's had 10 straight 1,000-yard seasons. How can you say that he's not a Hall of Famer? I really think I, I will make this list on the other side. I will use wide receivers that have played during the same era of Mike Evans. I'm not sure if he is a top 10 receiver of his own generation. Where are you at, Rob? Just right now, just off the top of your head. I'll make this list during the commercial break, and we can end this Mike Evans. Is he a top 10 receiver in his own era? Can you define his era? Because he's in the same era as Justin Jefferson? Because their ages are significantly different. Mike Evans played college. You tell me how you want me to do it. Hold on. Let me let me pull up right here. I think Mike Evans was drafted in 08, but let me be 100% Mike Evans certain. was on that, what, 2000? He's on that Johnny Manziel team, which would have been Way later 10, than that. My bad. 2014. I was way off on Mike Evans. That's my bad. 2014. You tell me what era, You tell me what time frame you want me to start. 14 to 20. That's 14 to 20. Guys that... We're playing. So we're not. So, so Justin Jefferson doesn't count. No. Jamar Chase doesn't count. Not uh-uh. his generation. That's the that's the next wave. All right. So I have I have six drafts. Six I have drafts. fourteen to twenty. Fourteen to twenty. All right. I'll do that on the other side. I'll come up with my top ten, and we'll see if Mike Evans is the top ten of his own. Even though he is in the same NFL that Justin Jefferson is, you know what? I won't even include him. We'll do that on the other side. Keep it right here. It's the drive. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Rob created a lot of a lot of caveats here to try to help Mike Evans' cause as we were doing this. The reason we are talking about this is Jeff Darlington says that Mike Evans makes a lot of sense for the Chiefs, and I actually agree. I'm pro-Mike Evans here. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Let's get to Mike Evans, though, though. This is the most interesting one to me of all, perhaps of the offseason in general. If the Bucs can't lock him up and he does commit to going elsewhere, the Kansas City Chiefs should absolutely be pursuing Mike Evans. To me, we should not forget. I understand the dynasty that is the Chiefs. I talked about how they can morph into many different things. But we should not forget the middle of the season. We should not forget the league-leading number of drops that the Chiefs face. I don't know that it is sustainable to do what they did in this postseason. They've got to go get weapons, and Mike Evans should be absolutely at the top of their list. He would be a game-changer for Patrick Mahomes. All right. 
And you guys know that my stance is I don't believe that Mike Evans is a Hall of Famer. Now, I do believe that Mike Evans will probably get in because he has put up a lot of good fantasy football numbers over the course of the years, and he has been a good receiver for a long time. So that means that he will probably get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Like that, that, That's probably what it means. You guys know that I am really, really big on did you make the all-decade team, and he did not make the all-decade team and didn't really come close to making the all-decade team. The four wide receivers that made the all-decade team were Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson, and Julio Jones. Now, Rob told me I can't put Larry Fitzgerald or Calvin Johnson on this list, even though they played at the exact same time as Mike Evans. I also can't put Justin Jefferson on the list, even though Justin Jefferson is currently in the same league that he is in. And about to sign a brand new contract extension. Same thing for Jamar Chase. Two wide receivers who are better than Mike Evans. So, Rob, you really tried to hamstring me here. And you really created a lot of caveats so I can put Mike Evans seventh on the list. So these are the wide receivers that I come up with. Because it was a really different argu- a difficult argument. Like, I would say the best version of Odell Beckham was better than the best version of Mike Evans. But I would never argue that Odell Beckham has had a better career than Mike Evans has had. Mike Evans has been healthier. He has been more consistent than Odell Beckham. So I did not include Odell Beckham. This is my list. Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, and uh, Jackson. From the Eagles, Deshaun Jackson. Those are my seven wide receivers using your criteria that I have is better than Mike Evans. Real quick, why on earth is Keenan Allen ahead of him? Keenan Allen has less yards, less touchdowns, one more Pro Bowl. I'm willing, like this- I, I'm willing to let Keenan Allen slide. I feel like Keenan Allen has been better than Mike Evans, but the numbers probably would not suggest that. I'm willing to at least concede that, that Mike Evans has probably been better than Keenan Allen, even though I would argue that Keenan Allen's peak has been equally as good as Mike Evans, but he has dealt with injuries. So you know what? I'll cross Keenan Allen off the list. Also, let's talk about Deshaun Jackson, who has less touchdowns. I'd rather have the best version of Deshaun Jackson than have the best version of Mike Evans. That's not how this works, and you know If you were telling me the best version, I'd much rather have him. Deshaun Jackson has less Pro Bowls, has less receptions, less yards, less touchdowns. It, come on now. If... If it's just based on, hey, the Hall of Fame is going to be Carrington's feel for how good they were, that's fine. But I these criteria have I'm to matter. I'm not arguing that Jackson should – I'm not arguing that I'd put Deshaun Jackson in the Hall of Fame. You and I both watched the league at the same time. He was which not player, better which than player Mike Evans. you more afraid going up against? Mike Evans. What player commanded more respect from the defense? Would you rather go up against prime Mike Evans or prime Deshaun Jackson? Mike Evans is a better receiver. Deshaun Jackson only had five 1,000-yard seasons. There is no – Deshaun Jackson might be first-team all-name, doesn't match the game. Oh, people just we're, not, like, we're not doing this with Pete Deshaun Jackson. People just like that he was the deep threat on the Eagles, but really – Yeah, and he was an n- elite deep threat with was the Eagles he? at that. Was yes, he? Yes, he was a, he was a dangerous dive, deep threat. Let's dive into his numbers. He got 1,000 yards five times ever. Mike Evans is at 10 straight. Stop it. Deshaun Jackson is notable because he came from Cal. He and Andy Reid had a nice marriage, and he was the first good wideout he had had since T.O. in a major market. But dive into his numbers, Carrington, and you tell me that he's a star or he's better than Mike Evans? Stop it. I'd rather have peak Deshaun Jackson he than have peak Mike Evans. He only made the Pro Bowl three times. Do you know 
Everyone makes the Pro Bowl. Everybody does Except make the Pro Matt Bowl. Except for Matt Stafford, everyone <laughs> everybody makes it. Everybody makes the Pro Bowl. He made it three times ever. Stop it. The text line is saying that he's also better than Jamar Chase. No chance. No, I would take Chase. Yeah, I'd rather have Jamar Chase than have Mike Evans. Chase also has a lot of uh, – I would. I took Chase out of the equation here for this reason. There's yeah, still so we much. Had to take, we had to take – You Play. couldn't. I couldn't get Calvin Johnson, even though they his peak overlapped the same with Mike Evans' peak, and then you wouldn't give me – Rob, in today's NFL – Calvin Johnson's already in the Hall of Fame. I'm not giving you a guy who had 1,000 yards. He's in the all-decade team in the same time frame as Mike Evans. Mike They're playing Evans. the same era. Mike you Evans. can't be drafted in 2014. You had a chance to be on the all-decade team. You weren't good enough to be on the all-decade team. Calvin Johnson retired in Mike Evans' second season in the league. Stop it. Those aren't the same. Calvin Johnson put up 1,000 yards when Mike Evans was at Rivals.com for A&M. That's not the same era. Would you rather have peak Chad Ochocinco or have peak Mike Evans? Can I push? That's probably a push. Okay, I'm just curious. Also, text line brought this up and I echo it. If you have Andre Johnson in your Hall of Fame, you can't snub Mike Evans. Andre Johnson was better than Mike Evans. No accolades. This is the says thing that. that upsets me nope. about Mike Evans. This nope, is why nope, I'm so nope. passionate. No one ever argues the player when they talk Mike Evans. It is just the numbers. He is he is wide receiver Phillip Rivers. That's who he is. The only difference is one of them got to play with Tom Brady and the other one didn't. Mike Evans has never made a catch that you remember. The Chiefs have played Mike Evans five times. You have never gone, and we've never had a topic. Man, I don't know, man. Mike Evans could beat you because he's never beat anybody. He does not have one memorable play, one memorable moment. He has just been a number. He has been a healthy number one receiver in the best era ever to be a healthy number one wide receiver. And Mike Evans is good. That's fine. He's Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin was a good running back. He was just a number one running back when they kept running the ball a bunch. So, yeah, he got 300 carries for 10 years. Well, yeah, you're going to put up good numbers if you just get a bunch of carries over time. If you're a team's number one wide receiver for 12 years, yeah, you're going to get 140 targets every year. He's just he's just Terry McLaurin for the commanders. He's just been healthy the whole time. Except for by your logic, the, hey, if you're the number one wideout in this era of passing, he should have the same numbers as just generic number one wideout, except for his numbers are better than Hall of Famer Andre Johnson. His numbers are somehow better than him, Deshaun Jackson. His numbers are better than Keenan Allen, who you inexplicably had on that list. Okay, I messed up with Keenan Allen. I apologize. I'm just saying. If <laughs> I'm willing to argue. If it's just easy to roll the ball out there, get a hundred targets, be a thousand yard guy, easy. then how come his stats are better consistently than everyone you're mentioning? Because he's been healthy. He's he doesn't have any accolades. He doesn't have any accolades. He's never been first team all pro. He's never been Mike Evans has if he's a Hall of Famer, how can you never be in the conversation of being the best wide receiver in the league? You're telling me during your era, Rob, when you went to go when you go get your hair cut at sports clips or fantastic Sam's when they says, hey, who do you think the best wide receiver in the league is? You've never argued Mike Evans was in that conversation. Not one time. Now he's in the conversation of but being one of the greatest the cri- wide receivers ever. That's not ever? the criteria. The criteria isn't is, hey, when you and your buddies were pouring a few back. It should be. Did you say, hey, <laughs> was Mike Evans top three? That's the only way we judge Hall of Fame. Which, by the way, if that's the way we're going to do it, let's start yanking people out. Because I have some concerns with who's in there already. I want to start. I want to start yanking people out. I'm tired of it 
And I hate that we're about to move forward and we're about to start putting average players into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I don't want to call Mike Evans average. He is not average. He is a good player. It's a very good player that now we're about to put the crown of we're about to put the crown of elite player on Mike Evans, even though none of us feel like he was an elite wide receiver. We have you have never played Tampa Bay and you were like, man, I don't know, man. Mike Evans could go crazy and could beat you today. You say that about Justin Jefferson. You say that about Tyree Kill. Hell, Cooper Cup had a better peak than what Mike Evans had. Now, it might have lasted 30 seconds. It might have lasted like some cheap gum. But, man, there was a time there you knew he was dominant. I'm just saying. And and I'm saying that matters to me in my Hall of Fame. It matters to you in your Hall of Fame. You're right. The made-up criteria, you're just pulling out of thin air and then creating and saying this is the rule. That does matter for your Hall of Fame. But that's not how they judge it. They don't say, did Carrington feel he was top three? Did Carrington feel he was elite? Did Carrington feel he was I need to be on the voting committee because if I was in, if I was in the right people would start getting in. Because also it's worth noting you have Terrell Davis in your Hall of Fame and he absolutely was at no point anything you're talking about. Terrell Davis won NFL MVP. Mike Evans has never been first team All Pro. He's never led the NFL in yards. He's never led the Terrell NFL Davis in catches. Was good Don't for talk 12, about Terrell Davis this way. Terrell Davis was good for twelve minutes in the NFL on great Broncos teams, and you have him wow. lock steady. But a guy who has the peak of performance and longevity. Nope, I'm going to punish you for being good for ten seasons. Uh uh-uh. uh. Too healthy. Goodbye. Good day, sir. Only if you crutch your way into my Hall of Fame are you welcome. <laughs> The text line is very split on this. That's fun to me. Yeah, again, none of you, I'm looking at the text line. None of you ever argue Mike Evans the player. We just argue his football card. We watched Mike Evans in real time. It's not like Mike Evans is some old player that we got to, oh, I, you you know what I'm The Chiefs have played, they played Tampa Bay in a Super Bowl. We had two weeks to talk about it. No one was like, man, Mike Evans could go crazy in this game. I'm worried about it. We talked about Christian McCaffrey for two weeks. How worried you were about McCaffrey. Mike Evans is just good. He's just fine. And that's okay that he's just fine. But keep him out of my Hall of Fame. And first off, the text line, stop this Terrell Davis disrespect. Don't co-sign Rob's foolishness. Terrell Davis's peak was fruit stripe gum. The man won NFL MVP and ran for 2,000 yards and was offensive player of the year. And we're going to talk about Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis is more accomplished than a majority of your favorite running backs. I will fight for Terrell Davis. Absolutely, I'll fight for Terrell Davis. Coming up on the other side, Steve Spagnola was on the station earlier. We'll play the best of it next. Keep it right here. It's the drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Hey, Chiefs fans, it's Patrick Mahomes. Catch me every Monday with CDOT during the season on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. As we take a break from arguing, Robin. Earlier today, Steve Spagnolo joined the station. He was on the midday show with Cody and Gold. You know what I decided? Instead of just playing parts of it, I'll let you hear what the defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs had to say. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, I was listening to a podcast a couple of days ago. Shout out to my guys from the Amateur Hour, and they were saying that there is not a primarily offensive or defensive coordinator 
that is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and that they believe that it should be open enough for people like Steve Spagnuolo. And I'm inclined to agree. I think that his contribution to the NFL, he has been a part of some of the best defensive performances that the league has ever seen. And people like him should have inclusion in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So earlier today, he was on with Cody and Gold, and their conversation started with what made this group so special throughout the course of the season. I think if, it, if we all look back at it, I think the what we went through two years ago, the 2022 20, season, you know, with how young we were and we kind of built and got better and better. And then it, you know, it culminated in a, in a Super Bowl win. I think that gives everybody a lot of confidence. So I think when the guys came back, um, they had a lot of confidence in what we were doing. But you add that to the fact that we brought in what I thought were three key free agents, Mike Edwards, Drew Tranquil, and Charles Amenehue. And even though we didn't have Charles for a stretch there when he was suspended, I thought adding those guys in there uh, gave us a huge jump. And I think, you know, we just kind of picked up where we left off uh, the prior year. And, you know, Justin Reed was now his second year in the system. Because remember, when he came two years ago, it was all new to him. Uh, and any, there's always a transition and a learning curve when guys come to new systems. It doesn't matter what the system is. But I just think we were all together. You know, I, I keep going back to this, guys. You've probably heard me say it before. But when the guy in the middle, and I'm talking about Nick Bolton, when he's as high an IQ player as he is, I think it makes all the other 10 guys around him that much better. I think that had a lot to do with it. How often in the season, I, I heard your interview where you were talking about that that third and five play that McDuffie comes up with a stop where you guys are able to get the ball back at a time that could have ended the game. How often do you ask Nick in the middle of the game, like, hey, do you think this play is going to work? Because it sounded <laughs> like the, the way you described it was you liked it, you thought it was going to work, but you wanted a second opinion from Nick. Yeah, so there are many times over on the sideline, you know, in between series that Nick and I are having conversations about you know, what he's hearing, seeing, what he likes, what I like, and there's always go between there. Now, that one was a little unique, the situation you're talking about. What helped us was when San Francisco let it come down to the two-minute warning, and you guys know what the commercial breaks are like in the Super Bowl. We have a lot of time there. So, you know, anytime you have extra time to think about it, we had one call that we had made that we were going to run if they ran a play. When it went to two-minute and we had the extra time, uh, the guy, this is what you heard me describe. I had another thought in mind. I went to my fourth down call list and I looked at a call there and I just said, I'm going to see what Nick thinks about this. And when I pressed the button to talk, you know, he can't talk back. He can just hear me, but I was looking for his reaction, his body language. When I asked him and in a minute, I said, how about this? He was shaking his head. He was giving the signal. He was all for it. So if he had a gut feeling, I had a gut feeling. And I knew that if both of us felt the same way, it might be something we should do. And, you know, fortunately for us, our guys went out and executed, and it worked out pretty good. We're talking to Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo here on 610 Sports Radio. We also heard after the game, uh, I believe it was Justin Reed had mentioned, that down the stretch of that game, you, know, you guys maybe showed some things that you hadn't used all season long, and, and, and the players reacted to that, obviously, in an extremely positive way. How often, when we're talking about in-game adjustments, it's something that just from the outside we throw there and, and say, man, it seems like, you you might be one of the best at in-game adjustments as a defensive coordinator. I, I guess if you could take us into that thought process and, and why that is something that has been so uh, important and successful for you in this defense. Yeah. Um, listen, I think every coach in the league is doing that constantly. We do it a lot. The assistant coaches play a big part in that. I mean, you know, Joe and Brendan and Dave and Donald and Terry and all those guys, Alex and Rod, they're always kind of giving feedback. Uh, it's a collaborated effort. 
The, the unique thing about this group and what is so special about them is we just felt as a group of coaches that, you know, whatever we fed these guys, they would embrace and run with it. Now, not every group does that. Some guys like to stay in their own little comfort zone and not change things. But this group embraces that because they're a very high cerebral, high IQ group. At halftime in this particular game, when we made those couple of things that Justin Reed's talking about, I mean, they were, they were calls that we had somewhere during the season. We just didn't practice them that week. Sometimes I get a little skittish on, you know, doing something we haven't practiced. But with this group, you know that they're going to be able to pick up on it. And when they're nodding their head at halftime about, yeah, let's, let's do that, let's try to do this, um, it just makes you feel confident as a coach to call it. And that's what we did. I think, I think those adjustments we made, uh, particularly at halftime, helped us in the – I believe you guys would have to check for me, but I think we went three, three and outs in the second half, which was really, really key to get the, keep getting the ball back to Patrick. Um, but that's because we got a group of guys that – embrace change and, and are willing to do anything. It's, it's, it's special to have. I think one thing that stood out about the defense is that there was no weak level defensive line, linebacker, corner, safety, didn't matter. You guys had talent everywhere. I mean, just from that perspective alone, does this make the most talented defense you've ever coached? Uh, that's a tough call. Cause I, listen, I've been blessed to be on a bunch of really good ones in some there at Kansas city. I mean, you know, we had talent in 2019 when we won, it took a little while to get going and then, you know, there were other years and, you know, certainly along the way in New York and some other places. But as a, you know, I keep coming back to this. This is what the difference was for me because I think you can find talent everywhere. Uh, and, you know, Brett does a great job, Brett Veach, get, getting us talent for us. But I'm, I always rely on the, the football intelligence, what I call football get it. And this was the highest number of guys in one group that really had a high IQ or really good football, get it. And sometimes you work with units that have, you know, there's, you know, seven out of the 11 starters and the other guys that kind of just, you know, they just, somebody helps them along the way. But this group to a man, they get football, they love football, they're passionate about it. Uh, and they embrace doing anything. And that's a, that's a nice thing to have. Was this game trip McDuffie's coming out party? I feel like here locally, we've <laughs> continued to say he plays at that level, but when you aren't the interception guy spags, Sometimes yeah. people nationally lose sight of you a little bit. We felt like this might have been the best game of his career. I thought it was, too. It's a great point you're making about the interceptions. You know, when he, when he did get that, uh, you know, he, he's an, he was elected as one of the all-pros, right, for this season. Um, well, not pro bowl, but uh, I think the all-pro. Yeah, all-pro. Yeah, second team yeah. all-pro, I think. And I said to him after he got that, I said, Trent, that's an extra, to me, that's even more respect than most other DBs because when you do that and you don't have an interception, I think people recognize and respect the work that you're doing because let's face it, a lot of times those teams, right, people look at stats and, and they say, okay, the guy with the highest interceptions, he must be really good, so let's vote him in. But with him not doing that, I thought it was a, an extreme compliment to Trent, his ability and what he does. And I, Listen, you guys have heard me say this before. The one thing about coverage guys is if they're doing their job at an elite level, Sometimes you never hear about them because the quarterback's not throwing it there. And so for Trent to have gotten that kind of recognition, I thought was extreme. I still don't understand why LJ doesn't get the same, but, you know, everybody's different. But getting back to Trent, that kid, the key play he made in the end zone was huge. The, the blitz that he made for knockdown was huge. And he has other tackles throughout the game, and he's covering guys. I mean, he's, he's a real key to what we do. Him and all those DBs back there are huge. 
Just another minute or two with Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo here on 610 Sports Radio. Uh, when, we, when we look at uh, this, this particular run that this team is on, it seems like the players already very quickly, not shying away, though, Coach, from, from talking 3 P. What's your reaction to that? <laughs> well, listen, we got, I, think, I think these elite athletes that we have in any professional sport, right, they're prideful guys, and they just believe in themselves. So if that's the next challenge, they're all for it. They love a challenge. This group... And I'm sure every group, I mean, you hear it from basketball players, hockey players, uh, you know, baseball players. The minute they win one, they want to win another. And I think that's great. I mean, we've got to have a goal. And if that's the next challenge, then that's what we've got to shoot for. And we know you're, you're obviously at least back uh, for, for this three-peat run with the contract extension to stay in KC. But we, we've been surprised you, you haven't got another crack at a head coaching gig. Is that something that you're still interested in? Well, listen, I'll answer it the same way I have been. It'd be great. Um, we always embrace it. We just got done talking about pride, and guys, I have some pride, too, as a, we all do as coaches. So a second chance, yeah, it'd be great. But if not, I always follow up with this. I feel really blessed to, to have the job I have, work for the head coach we have, the organization I'm involved with. So uh, if it's God's will to have a, another head job, great. We'll just we'll put pin our ears back and go. And if not, I'll put every effort into the job that I have right here and enjoy every minute of it. That was Steve Spagnolo earlier today. He was on the midday show. I wanted to play it for you guys mostly in its entirety. I didn't want to play cuts. I thought it was worthy of playing the whole thing. Salute to the midday guys for getting the defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnolo on the show. And he certainly deserves his flowers for what this defense accomplished. I understand that Patrick's going to get a lot of credit. Andy's going to get a lot of credit. Travis Kelsey's going to get a lot of credit. Hell, Taylor Swift is going to get a lot of credit. Steve Spagnuolo deserves a lot of it for what this defense was able to accomplish. And they were the best unit this year in the NFL from start to finish. There was only one team this year that scored more than 24 points against this team pretty consistently. They took away teams' number one options and they were the best defense, the best unit in the National Football League. So Spags gets to wear the crown for a while as the best coordinator in the entire National Football League. Coming up on the other side, someone wrote a letter to the Kansas City Star. My question is, why do we keep doing this? Keep it right here, it's the drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Remember to follow the show on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Kansas City, it's Willie Gay Jr. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Opinion piece that was in the Kansas City Star. Now, I want to be clear here that I don't have any issues with the Kansas City Star. In fact, I like the Kansas City Star and I paid for the Kansas City Star. I'm signed up to their sports page. I got great respect for Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, Jesse Newell, great people that work for the Kansas City Star. But as a whole, I want them to cut down on some of the foolishness on social media. And some of the foolishness that they do is if you follow them on social media, they'll put out these opinion stories that you are allowed to post them. And I get it. That is a part of the newspaper. But it is very obvious what the intention is, and it is to generate clicks and outrage on social media that just feels very 
lowbrow to me and not something becoming of a paper that I view the Kansas City star to be. And there are certain hits that they play that we know are going to get you riled up and are going to get people like me to talk about it. And I fall for it every time. And I just don't like it. Like, I know at least three or four times during the football season, they're going to post an opinion piece on how you should stop doing the tomahawk chop it games. And you're right. You probably should stop doing the tomahawk chop it games. But at this point, everybody has decided how they feel about this issue. So posting another opinion about it is only going to get people fired up and interacting with the page. You know, that's it. About three, four times a year, they're going to post how you should stop saying Chiefs during the national anthem and how it's disrespectful. They do this three, four times a year. We'll be heading into the Super Bowl. And, oh, well, we got to fire up one of these old opinion pages. They go down in the basement and they find a a paper that someone read, a a letter that that they've written in the past, and now it's time to post it because it's provocative and it gets people going. Well, you know what? They have found a new trick over at the Kansas City Star, and it's people being upset that the players were drinking at the parade. Here's one of the posts that they had, Rob. I didn't write down the person's name who wrote it. Congratulations to the Chiefs players, the organization, and Kansas City's region for another exciting season and epic Super Bowl win. Reaching the summit of sports calls for celebration. Unfortunately, ubiquitous overt drinking, receiving IV fluids for hangovers, and public displays of drunkenness with the mouthpiece in front of tens of thousands of people at last reach victory rally are unconscionable and destructive on many levels. Three of our best known and revered players, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Chris Jones, were prominent in their intoxicated states. With their position and notoriety, they have the potential to do great good as role models for young people and families. Instead, they choose to make fools of themselves. Why do we as fans and the Chiefs organization continue to condone such behavior? Would any other profession allow and seemingly expect these sorts of actions? If a player is too wasted at the rally to stand steady, speak, or act reasonably, then maybe there needs to be an adult in the room to throw a flag and tell this person to take a back seat. How much harm by undoing the messaging that our youth receive in schools, youth groups, and at home about the dangers of drug and alcohol consumption was done by witnessing the action of these heroes. Alcohol abuse, including binge drinking, has serious personal and societal consequences. There's a lot more than this, but I think you guys get the point of what the letter is. Now, let me start with saying you're right. Alcohol is very serious. And at some point, you should talk to your kids about alcohol and the dangers of alcohol and the dangers of consuming too much alcohol. That is a very serious conversation that every parent should have with their kids. And I also understand the frustration of seeing your kid's favorite athlete up on the stage drunk off his keister. This is my question. This is the third parade that they've had. What did you expect to have happen? It's like you went to see Saul 1, and then you went to go see Saul 2, and then you saw Saul 3, and you were complaining about how gory it is. 
You didn't know what to expect going into it. I'm sorry, parents. If this is your complaint after the third parade, that's a you problem at this point. You continue to sign up to let your kid watch the parade knowing that Patrick Mahomes is going to be gone off those Coors lights. You see his stomach. This is the third championship parade that they've had. They've been this way every time. I was not surprised at how they were acting on the stage. Not in the least bit. Now, my sensibilities might be a little bit different than your sensibilities. I don't care if they're drinking or not. As long as they are not driving afterwards, you are more than free to get up there and drink as much as you want. I don't care. I really don't care. Now, I will say this, and maybe people disagree. I don't think they should hand you a microphone when you've been drinking like that. Travis, you were drinking all day. I saw you. And for a man your size to be as drunk as you were, you were going hard. You destroyed that bottle of Don Julio 1942. But if you were telling me that Travis Kelsey didn't drive home and they had ample transportation to get him back to his nice house out in Leewood that's got the gated community, hey, Trav, man, have fun. That is certainly your choice to go out there and do it. Rob, my thing is I just I don't know how people are surprised at this point at how they act during the parade. This is not our first one. We've seen this time and time again with their actions at the parade. I didn't expect this parade to be any different than the other two that they have been a part of. Don't you assume some responsibility if you are letting your kid watch the championship parade whether you went down to Union Station or whether you watched it on television, didn't you sign up for the fact that, you know what, Patrick Mahomes might be drinking during the championship celebration? So I don't want to sound like a Karen because I, I'm, I'm fine with drinking. I'm fine with them drinking. They're all over 21. They have rides laid out for them. To my knowledge, there's no... They don't drive back from Arrowhead after they've been to their homes. It is just a party in their name. And if you're of legal age, go crazy, folks. Like, you know, it's not nearly the same. But when things that are good happen in my life, your life, the text line's life, we might have a few cocktails. It's normal to me. But I agree with you. Like, if you are going to put down a bottle of Don Julio 1942, maybe you should not pick up the microphone. Because... Where I, I don't want to say I agree with the article, but where I see eye to eye with the article, let's say it that way, is Travis Kelsey, due to his level of intoxication, did make a little bit of a fool of himself on the stage. But isn't that a Travis Kelsey problem? I agree. Not our not- pro- I, I, I don't disagree with you. If, if I don't think, I think everybody agrees with you. If your point is, yo, Travis Kelsey was way too drunk to be up there. I, okay, that's fair. All I'm saying is they've been like that every single time. Every single time. Every time they have been up there. And maybe this is just society, and I get it. Like, Patrick Mahomes is a really good football player. But we also know that Patrick Mahomes uses language that you also wouldn't want your kid to use, right? We had a whole television show about it where they followed him around, right? They had a whole television show where we follow Patrick Mahomes around and he used language that you don't want your nine-year-old kid to use. 
We know enough about Patrick Mahomes' personal life at this point to say that Patrick Mahomes, you know what? He enjoys an adult beverage. Now, I have no reason to believe that he was driving drunk or that he didn't get home safely. We know this about Patrick Mahomes at some point. So maybe there are some things that you absolutely, Patrick Mahomes has qualities that you want your kid to follow. You want your kid to work hard. You want your kid to do all of these things. But he also has other qualities. Doesn't that just make Patrick Mahomes a human being? Doesn't that just make him a person? There's some things about people that you like. They have other qualities that you don't like and you wouldn't teach the kids. I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think that means, if anything, I would say that these are the moments that we get the most human being version of Patrick Mahomes that we ever get. Every other one that we get is a very corporate, what they think we want Patrick Mahomes to be. In this situation, I think Pat is. I think that's how Pat is with his friends. I think that's how Pat is in private when he is around people that he cares about, that he loves, and he trusts. Rob, how many pictures have we seen with Patrick Mahomes where that man looked faded? His eyes, he was dog. That picture they had on New Year's, the one with him, his wife, Travis, and Taylor. It looked like they all were drinking and having a good time. The Christmas one from Miracle, yeah. Yeah, we know that Patrick Mahomes drinks from time to time. As long as that man is not driving drunk and he is getting home safely, bro, I do not care what Patrick Mahomes is doing. Where I think that's different, and by the way, we're on the same page. My thing about not having him speak is Andy Reid, Clark Hunt, Brett Veach, Mark Donovan, Mitch Holtis, whoever, someone on the stage just said, no, 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 no. You're not talking. I know you want to talk, but no, 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 no. Microphone's not yours. I have no problem with him drinking. He's a grown-up. Drink if you want. That's your hangover the next day, man. If you're not driving, you're being safe. Live your life. But where I think it's different from a Holmes when he has the social media posts where he looks like he's enjoyed a few or even – you know, we've heard stories on podcasts where, like, I think it was Andrew Santino's podcast. He said he drank where, like 20 some. He, he was said drank 20 some. Boys. I think that's. Course different. Light ain't even that good to be drinking that many of it. Post Malone had the story where he was putting them down all night. Like, we know. Can you imagine these... out drinking Post Malone? That's, it's really impressive. To cry for help. <laughs> you out was... drink Post Malone. That's a competitive problem. <laughs> but, like, we know all those things exist from stories, hearsay, speculation social media photographs, I think it's different to see it happen. And I I have no problem with it happening, but I could see how someone would be like, Pat put down a 30th Coors Light? What, what are we doing here? And now he's going to go speak to the masses? Probably not the best. Again, I don't have any problem with him drinking. Oh, he spoke. <laughs> Travis Kelsey spoke too. This is the thing I'm seeing on the text line. The text line is, hey, CDOT, Mitch Holtis and everyone tried to make sure that Kelsey didn't get the mic. It's way too many people up there. Travis Kelsey spoke. Rob, he spoke for four minutes. Y'all didn't try that hard to make sure that Travis Kelsey didn't get the mic. That man was drunk. Have you seen the picture of when he greeted Nick off the stage? Have you seen that picture? It is, I've seen the video. It's, it's obvious. Like, he goes up to Nick, and he realizes who he is. He then hugs him, and if you have had a drunk friend, he made like a drunk stumble towards Nick, and Nick kind of stepped back because Travis Kelsey is a big human being. He kind of took a step back like, I got to give you your room and your space. They didn't try that hard to keep the mic away from Travis Kelsey. They didn't try that hard. There's way too many people up there in stop gaps that – Everybody wanted Travis Kelsey to speak at the parade. Everybody did. He spoke last year, fight for your riot. You know, he does all that stuff. People wanted Travis Kelsey to go again. I just think at this point, you just, 
You have signed up for some of it if that's the kind of content that you're going to consume. Again, it is like you went to Saw 1 and Saw 2, and then you went to see Saw 3 and like, wait, there's all this blood? What are you talking about? You saw the first two. You know what you're signed up for. If they win another Super Bowl, and I think that they will, I will just assume that they are drinking. And, and, And if that's not what you want your kid to see, I would encourage, you know what I would encourage you to do? I would encourage you to maybe go to the parade and stand alongside the route and then not watch at the end or watch it at home on television. And when it's time for them to talk, I turn it off and I would encourage you to watch something else because I'm telling you, alcoholic drinks will be consumed. They had that man, Willie Gay. He was laying shirtless in the street. If I'm being honest, I have no problem with the players drinking. I have a much bigger problem with Bill and Blue Springs drinking the same level and driving home. Of course. That's if. If you want to have an op-ed piece, if you want to have a complaint, a tweet, a Facebook post, you know, you want to post in your caring group about your frustration with the parade and the drinking. They got a group. I'm cool with that if your frustration is, hey, Otto from Overland Park drove down there and he also had 12 Coors Lights and he had to get home somehow. He had to figure out how to get back to Overland Park. Bill and Blue Springs parked on the highway, walked over, had six tank sevens, and he got home that night. How? That cannot be safe. I'm fine with those conversations. If we want to have an event, a parade, a a celebration where it is, we're going to heavy enforce open container and we ain't litting, you know, Larry and Lenexa drink, but Travis Kelsey wants to, that's fine by me. Cause I know Travis Kelsey based on what the team is doing is getting home safe. I'm not sure about Larry and Lenexa. Text line 913-586-7610. See that. I think it's disrespectful for them to be drunk at a public event. I don't feel disrespected. Now, I'm not saying that you don't feel disrespected. You're certainly entitled to feel that way. I don't feel disrespected. In fact, I don't really care, honestly, that they were drunk at a public event. As long as you don't drive, it does it does not bother me in the least bit what you are out there doing. It, not, I don't care at all, actually, whether they were drinking or not. I don't believe that Patrick Mahomes drunk, drove, drove home. I don't believe that Travis Kelsey drove home or any of the other players. And I think the team knows they're going to be drinking and make sure that hey, let's make sure that we get them home and we do everything that we need to do as an organization to keep them safe and keep them out of trouble. And as long as they do that, then good. That's that's fine with me. That's fine with me. More power to them. I don't want to spend too much time talking about it, but I do want to tell you guys, maybe, possibly, you were right. Some of you don't like the NBA. And one of your reasons for not liking the NBA is they don't try hard. That's one of your reasons. You might have other reasons. Hey, I didn't grow up in an NBA city. Hey, I don't connect to the players. You might have a lot of different reasons for why you don't like the NBA. But one of the reasons you have is they don't try hard, and I don't like that. And as I was watching the All-Star game on Sunday, it hit me. It's over. It's dead. I love the NBA. You guys make fun of me, but I rather watch a random NBA game than a random NFL game. Not talking about the Chiefs, but on a random Thursday night, I don't really have much of an interest of watching Giants and Commanders. Like, I'm okay. I'm fine. But I really enjoy watching the NBA. There is such a disconnect, I think, between the average American and the average consumer and the NBA player. And it's like at times you have to twist their arm to get them to go to work. 
You have to create special provisions. Hey, if you don't show up to work, then you can't be on the All-NBA team. Hey, if you don't show up to work, then you can't win MVP. Hey, well, you can't just play for a couple of minutes. you got to at least play for 20 minutes to qualify. There are so many parameters around getting them to play. And then for the All-Star game, as I'm sitting there and I'm watching it, Rob, I don't need them diving on the floor for loose balls. That's not what I need. The most any player played in Sunday's All-Star game was 28 minutes. You ain't got to give me a great 28 minutes. Can you give me 15? Can you give me 20? Can you run up and down the court like you give a damn, like you care, like you want to be here? And then after the game, they asked Anthony Edwards, hey, what can you do? He's like, oh, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, th- this, is, this is our break. I mean, I don't really expect it to be competitive. You got Shea Gildress-Alexander, who is currently second for the MVP voting. They asked him about it, and he was like, there's nothing wrong with the All-Star game. If they want us to try harder, then money talks. You make $33 million, and you're 22 years old, and you need more money to go play basketball? I hate it. I hate it, and I hate them. I hate it. I really don't like it. You guys might be right about NBA players. I'm not trying to equate my job to your their job or any of that. But this, they're the only group of athletes that we have to do this with. We don't have to do this with football players. Don't have to do this with baseball players. Don't have to do this with hockey players. Nobody else. Golfers, the NBA player. It's just, it's, it's like pulling teeth to get you to want to go to work. To get you to want to play basketball for a living. You have been afforded all the luxuries, all the Instagram baddies in the world. You guys are so concerned with doing podcasts. Every day I turn up, you guys are on somebody's podcast telling stories. You guys love Kobe so much. Kobe was your hero, wasn't he? You disrespect Kobe every time you step on the floor with your lack of effort. All You got the same Kobe story. How he motivated you. He ain't motivating you to play hard every week, every night, to give your best. Mamba mentality. You're a disgrace. They should have a new rule in the NBA, Rob. If you don't average 10 points a game, you shouldn't go on a podcast. I'm tired of hearing Jeff Teague talk. Stop it. Patrick Beverly, why do you have a podcast? You stink. You played on five teams in three years. It makes me so angry. I hate the NBA. I'm not watching it for the rest of the regular season, Rob. I'm on a silent protest. I'll be back in the postseason. I can't do it. They piss me off too much. I don't want to do it anymore. Bink's coming in next. He is the master of the mock and football expert. I looked at last year's top 20 sackers in the NFL, and there's 28 of them because eight of them, you know, it tied. And 18 of them were first-round picks. And 12 of them were picks 1 through 15. So history would say, if you're going to trade up, and I've seen, you know, the trade-ups for Chris Olave and Jamison Williams, but history would dictate if you're going to trade up, you trade up to get Edge Rusher. He's a man who enjoys an ice-cold beer. Give me one of those famous giant beers I heard so much about. And a travel aficionado. There are things to do right here. You don't need to go to the Caribbean. Or you don't need to go to Europe. You don't need to do things. You just go to Wabingo. Jay Binkley of Bink at Night joins the drive. Bink, how you doing, my man? I'm happy to see you. What's going on, T-Dot? The text line said, why are you so mad about the NBA? I'm not mad about the NBA. I'm frustrated because they have time for everything else. I mean, they have all the time in the world to go shopping for goofy clothes to walk into the game, yet they don't want to try hard during the game. 
they will cry and complain about not being named an all-star. And then when they actually are named an all-star, not try at the all-star events. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me how in the, all you need is four NBA players to do the dunk contest. And they had two G leaguers in it. They can't find four NBA players that want to do the dunk contest. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of them. I thought McClung would uh, not be in it this year. I would be on a team instead of the Osceola magic. Then they had Jacob Toppin. I didn't even know Obi had a brother. How about, how about uh, Shaq wearing one of his jerseys there? Shaq, Shaq did more work than the dunk contest yeah. than any of the dunkers. Stop jumping over Shaq. Find <laughs> another tall person to the, jump Every over. dunk was about jumping over somebody. <laughs> yeah. Like every single one of them was. Then you try to jump over Kai Sinet. Yeah. Kai Sinet is 5'4". Is that is not impressive to me. Just start jumping over cars. I'm waiting for someone to jump over a car. Bink, how have you been, man? Good, man. You been how you good, doing? man? Yeah, yeah. What did you do yesterday? No football yesterday. I know two days ago. I know you were. I know you were hurting. You were Jonesing. You yeah. probably watched the program or something. You probably watched <laughs> Friday Night Lights. Yeah, you just, watched the replacements on Sunday. Be real with us. No, I didn't. I didn't do a lot to be honest with you. It was kind of a. It's kind of a rough weekend. The the, the, the uh, combine will start here at the end of the month. So we have the combine. You gotta get it back. We have the combine coming back, and then we get the draft coming up in April and stuff. So uh, good football is on the horizon. Right now, we're joining free agency studio. period March. You kidding me? <laughs> yeah, no, it's taking over the tournament. I feel like you like this part of the NFL season as much as you like the game. I do. It's where champions are made. You love watching the. You gotta combine. win the off season. You, you gotta love win the breaking off-season. down the draft. Yeah, you'll be watching old Pittsburgh State tape so you can find that's right. that seventh round that's gym right. That's, right. that's gonna help the Chicago Bears and make the depth yep. chart. You love this part of the season. So we're part of the year. We're very happy to have you join us to break it down. So let's start with this. This is what I would do if I was the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs. If I was the GM, I would franchise tag Legereus Sneed. It's $18 million. Give myself the time to negotiate a long-term deal. But I think the Chiefs are the best in the league at three things. I think they have the best head coach, the best quarterback, and I think they have the best one-two corner combination in the league. I would keep that. I will let Chris Jones go play for another team. The franchise tag is going to be around $32 million, according to Adam Schefter. That's the difference in you keeping Snead and then going out and picking up a Calvin Ridley or maybe being in the market to go get a Mike Evans. You can do a lot of things in the NFL with $32 million and make a lot of additions to your team. And this organization, over the next two offseasons, they're going to have to start deciding who they want to keep. A lot of those great rookie deals that they have, they're coming up. Creed Humphrey's contract is coming up shortly. Trey Smith's contract is coming up shortly. Willie Gay's deal is up. Nick Bolton. Like, there's a handful of players I don't think you can allocate those resources to paying a 30-year-old defensive lineman 32 to $35 million. I will let Chris Jones walk in free agency and take the compensatory pick. What would you do, Bank? I would do the exact same. I'm not a big fan of signing guys when they, when they hit that 30. The sentimental signings, because this would be a sentimental signing. And you've got three rings. Jones help you get them. I know that they're in the middle of a dynasty and they can go get more. But this team... This team has a lot of areas they're going to have to address here relatively shortly, and they've done a great job with it. They've done an absolutely great job. Still a very young defense, youngest defense in the NFL. Sneed is a must-keep, in my opinion, because of his age and what he does and how good he is in shutting down number one receivers. Sneed is back with this team. And then going out and uh, dabbling in the uh, wide receiver market as well. You hate to do everything, but you can't keep everybody. No, you certainly can't. can't do it. No, you certainly can't keep everybody, and at least for me, 
I find it very hard to believe that, let's say, in three years, like let's say you sign Snead to a three-year deal, let's say you sign Jones to a four-year deal just based on the kind of contract that he wants. I find it hard to believe in that third year we'll look at that deal as being bad for a Legereus Snead. It's very possible that you look back and you regret that contract for Chris Jones. You and I know how the NFL works, and once you get to 30, football is a young man's game. And if we're going to throw out a lot of money, I'm more inclined to do it for a player under the age of 30 who was going to turn 30 at the end of the deal than a player who is going to be 30 when the deal starts. And now I'm paying for 30, 31, 32, and 33. I don't know if that's good business. Yeah, I don't think it's good business either because you have to worry about what, what's going to happen. Like, what, what if they have a down year? A down year, according to them, is the motivation factor still there the next year? And then all of a sudden, did you waste 32 million a year by not going out and collecting a ring? This year, so you start thinking about all those things. And, you know, it's what the Patriots did. They got rid of Ty Law, and they got rid of other, you know, key contributors to the team. I remember the uh, the Colts got rid of Edger and James. Right in the heart of his rushing, he leaves. They go out and get Joseph Adai in the draft, and they win a, and they win a ring. Like, they went it with Edge, but they won it with Joseph Adai. So, sometimes this stuff happens. You hate to see it. You don't like uh, not having sentimental signings, but you got to think about the uh, the good for the team going forward. So I'm looking right now on DraftKings and what they have the odds at for Chris Jones' next team. So the Chiefs are the overwhelming favorite at minus 350. The Bears are at plus 475. The Texans are at plus 650. The Lions are at plus 900. The Raiders are at plus 2,000. Those are the five most likely teams for Chris Jones' next offseason, according to DraftKings. I really like the Texans. I think it makes a lot of sense. You got a defensive minded head coach, a quarterback on a rookie deal. And the same way that you were trying to solidify your defense in Kansas City when you had a superstar young quarterback, I could see the Texans doing something very, very similar this offseason. Chicago also makes a lot of sense. They have a lot of cap space. You know the connection with Ryan Poles in Kansas City, and they're going to be a team that they won seven games last year. A couple of additions, you get better quarterback play. They could be a wild card team next year. I think that Chris Jones is going to play for another team. Put me down for Houston as a team that I would like for Chris Jones to play his next team. Are those some teams that you think make sense for Chris Jones? Yes. Where do you think 100%, 100%. They're in Chicago for sure. Chicago for sure, but Houston, 100%. D'Amico Ryan's with a player like Chris Jones? Come on, man. It's like his dream as far as a guy to play on the inside and the outside. And I love what D'Amico's doing there in Houston. But Chris Jones would make a ton of sense for them. And they're trying to build and they need that veteran leadership on that team. So, yes, three-time champion, 100% they'd want Chris Jones. I just think – I mean, I, I think that both Snead and Jones are in really, really good spots. Like, if you were Snead, you have made fourth-round money for your entire career. Worst case scenario is you play under the franchise tag next year and you play one year, $18 million guaranteed. That's not a bad worst case scenario. Best case scenario is you get a long-term extension in the National Football League. If you're Chris Jones, worst case scenario is you sign a fully guaranteed $35 million deal, which pays you like you're the best defensive player in the National Football League, or you get a long-term extension. I feel like both players are in a really good spot regarding their future and cashing out. Yeah, you put him there. Yeah, you put him there with uh, Will Anderson Jr. Chris Jones, by the way, his odds for Defensive Player of the Year not great, like plus three thousand on DraftKings, something like that. He's way, way, way down that list. You got to get a lot of sacks to be a Defensive <laughs> Player of the Year guy. Yeah. You got to get a lot of sacks for a lot of interceptions. <laughs> Will That's Anderson really ahead of him there. I mean, Max Crosby with the Raiders, obviously the uh, fifth best odds. That'd be a good fit for him with uh, Antonio Pierce. 
Is there a is there a receiver in free agency that you really want? Because what I would like for this team to do is I like for them to spend a little bit of money in free agency. We think MVS's number is coming off the books. I don't think that Chris Jones is going to be on the team. So you're going to have some wiggle room in free agency to take one big swing, I think, to go get a Mike Evans or go get a Calvin Ridley or one of those kind of players. I'd like for them to be aggressive in the wide receiver market and then maybe look for offensive line and try to find a long-term solution on the left side. Is there a wide receiver that you really like in free agency? Mike Evans, for sure. I mean, just the consistency of what you get. I mean, it's, the guy's the most consistent guy in the NFL. He's got 10 straight years of 1,000 yards. That's current active leader for a player. So he's got 1,000 yards every single season he's been in the NFL. 15.3-yard average. He's got over 700 catches. But that is a, as consistent as you can get. And you're not looking for the long run. Just give me a couple of years. Win the ring again. Address the receiver. They'll address the receivers in this year's draft. A nice receiver to go Rasheed Rice, have Mike Evans kind of hold hold it down for two years. Yeah, I think Mike Evans in this offense. Because he's consistent. Yeah, I'm going to guess, too, that he probably signs closer to what Odell got. Odell got that one year 15. Let's say you got to give the second year to Mike Evans, and it's around two for 30, two for 32. I mean, I think if you give Patrick Mahomes a deep ball threat like that, like they haven't had someone that defenses really have to fear down the field. That if you have him over the top, you got Rasheed Rice, he continues to develop. You got Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field. I mean, this offense can go from 17th this year to going back to being a top 15 or top five offense next year with a couple of moves. Big physical, great route runner, can get downfield, like you said. Teams will definitely have to concentrate on that. Someone you worry about, say, to worry about him, they'd worry about Rasheed Rice now. And of course, always worry about Travis Kelsey, plus whatever the Chiefs going to do out of the backfield, whether that's, uh, whether that's, um, Isaiah Pacheco and maybe even an Austin Eckler sprinkled in, which I would really like to see the Chiefs start diving into. I'd be surprised if they spent money at running back. Yeah, but uh, you're not going to have to really break the bank on Austin. But Austin is a guy that I would bring in because of how much how well he catches the football. No, I like Austin. He'd be Eckler. perfect with his offense. I like Austin Eckler too. I would like for them to spend a little bit of resources on running back. It just seems to me like they probably take a late round flyer again. Like so you've Jeff already McKinnon. got. Yeah, you've already got you've already got Pacheco. Let's say you bring back Jarek McKinnon on another cheap one year deal, and then you spent a sixth or a seventh round pick on a wide on a running back that you really really like, and that's your third change of base. He kind of takes over where Clyde Edwards Hilaire was this year. Yep. I just don't see them spending a lot of free agency dollars on a on a running back. I don't think season. you'd have to break the bank with him though. He's you know, he's 2017. He's been in this league for a while. He's already 28 years old. Um, turns 29 here coming up this May. So, but you know, 107 catches two years ago, 51 last year. This is like the perfect prototypical Andy Reid guy that catches the ball out of the backfield. He'd be like Jet McKinnon, 100 percent like Jet. Yeah, no, I, uh, I would, I would, I would very much be in favor. Very he would much be, be really favor. good in this offense. Yeah, very much be in favor. Someone said you guys are talking out of both sides. Mike Evans is 30. Chris Jones is way better. Mike Evans is also going to cost half the amount of Chris Jones for this upcoming season. Like, it's not just age for me with Chris Jones. Like, if you were paying Chris Sorry. Jones 18 or 20 million dollars a year. I would say just go pay him. If you want Chris Jones long-term on the team, he is going to maybe be the highest-paid non-quarterback in the National Football League. His franchise tag locks him in at $32 million, and the highest-paid non-quarterback in the league is at 35. There ain't a whole lot of room in between 32 and 35. Mike Evans is going to cost you 16 to $17 million per. It's going to cost almost half the amount of going to get Chris Jones. That's a big reason why I'm in, in favor of going to get Mike you Evans. Know, I'm like usually you know, four guys that are 30 years old and give them the contract. Mike Evans is just different because he hasn't slowed down. 
Like I haven't, I haven't seen the slowdown. And you're not doing it for long term. You're doing it for maybe a year with a year contract or two. Who's the most I'm willing to give? But you're talking about a guy that consistently gets a thousand yards. You know, 15 yards of reception. I mean, he had one of his highest uh, yards per reception this season. Do you want almost 16 yards of reception? Do you want Drew Tranquil back? Yes, 100. percent I want Drew Tranquil. I think he was one of the best signings last year. I remember when they made it, and I was like, "Whoa, this one's going to be good." All the things he can do, coverage linebacker. In fact, he can blitz as well. I was like, they've they've hit a home run with Drew. Can't believe he's here. Coming up on the other side, let's do this. I want to go through the Chiefs free agents that aren't the two big ones. I don't the other ones outside of Jones and Sneed. And let's just go through. Let's go down the line. Who do you want to keep? Who you think is coming back? Who were you happy to let walk in free agency? We got Bink in studio. We're going through the Chiefs offseason. Keep it right here. It's the drive on Sixth Sense Sports Radio. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. This is The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. All right, Jay Binkley. This is what I would like to do. I would like to play a very quick game. You can call it thumbs up, thumbs down buy or sell, whatever you would like to call it. So what I would like to do is I'm going to give you Chiefs free agents, and I want you to tell me whether or not you think they will be on the team next season. You ready to play? Let's play. Rob, hit the music. We were talking about it. Let's start with it. Defensive tackle Chris Jones. I'm going to say at this point, no. It all looked good. He wants to come back and everything. Well, he was willing to take a hometown discount. Not by his agents. His agents are kind of uh, worrying the whole situation. They did not get the job done last year. How can I expect them to do it again? So I think unless he changes agents, no. Legereus Sneed. Yes, I do believe Sneed is back with this team. I believe they found the value of Legereus Sneed and they want him back. Left tackle Donovan Smith. He's gone. One-year contract. That neck is a concern because that neck has been a problem uh, for Donovan Smith going forward. He hasn't really regained what he was two years ago in the NFL. So I'm going to say no. I'm ready for the Chiefs to find a long-term solution at left tackle. Maybe it's one. They thought they had it with Orlando Brown. I understand why they decided to let him walk. You're going to have some cap flexibility. You're going to have some... High draft picks. You don't have many immediate needs, I would say, in the draft. I think it's time to go find your... You have found that solution at every other position. You have, you've had a consistent left guard, a consistent center, right guard. You just spent money on a right tackle. Go solidify the left tackle position and go find the left tackle for the next three to five seasons. I'd like for them to spend a decent resource to help solidify that side of the offensive line. And Donovan kind of came in late. It was kind of a late addition because they realized Juwan Taylor is not the answer. Ain't it for left tackle. So that's why they kind of reached on that one. Punter Tommy Townsend. You can't lose Tommy nah, Townsend. Tommy in free T's you back, man. Let, you can't let Tommy T walk in free agency. Unless Tommy T wants too much, but I don't think so. So uh, Tommy T, I see back here. McCole Hardman. No. I don't think McCole uh, comes back to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they've uh, already squeezed all the blood out of that turnip. McColl's really hard to figure out. I mean, like, they made a big catch of Super Bowl. And there's something that they really like mm-hmm. about McColl Hardman. It's something that they really like. I wouldn't completely write it off, but I think it's going to have to be. You're signing for peanuts. I think he's at training camp. 
I think he's a training camp. I don't think he ends up on the initial roster. Okay, so you think he... Okay, oh, I, I do, do, I do. I mean, because the, the offers really weren't there last year. Kind of settled with the Jets. I think he goes to training camp with the Chiefs, making the teams completely different. I do think that McCall Harvin has a couple of things going for him. I think he knows the offense. I think he knows his role and understands his role. I think his teammates like him. I think they like him. They meeting the coaches. I think that's really valuable at this time. I think that's really valuable. I don't know if they're going to overhaul the wide receiver room maybe to what we thought they were going to week six, week seven. I think they spend one decent resource in free agency and they go out there and they spend a little bit of money. I don't know if they spend... I would be surprised if they spent big money in free agency and spent a first-round pick on a wide receiver. I think they maybe spend a little bit of money. Let's say they spend a mid-round pick on wide receiver, and then they're going to go with the guys that they trust. They trust McCole Harbin. They trust Justin Watson. Sky Moore is going to be part of their offense next year. I, I still think they're going to get a receiver in round one. I think they're going to get three pass catchers at this year's draft, two receivers, and a tight end. You've been this, waiting on this tight end this, for years. Well, you know what? In receivers, too. This Go is, get Brock Bowers. This is not. I'd love Brock Bowers. That Go makes get more, Brock Bowers. That makes more sense than anybody in this draft to the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, he also means that too much to the Chargers and the Bengals as well. But in the Bills, no, because they went out last year and got Kincaid. But I will say this. This is the year. Size, speed, route running. This is the year you don't pass on a receiver. Last year was tough. Last year was a tough wide receiver class because you had literally you had Rasheed Rice as the number two receiver in receptions and yards last year. Number two over St. Flowers, Jordan Edison, all of them. Only Puka was in front of them. I'm not giving the Rams credit for that one. They waited till the fifth round for Puka. Do you realize this? Puka was the fourth fifth round selection of the Rams. He wasn't the first fifth round selection. He wasn't the second of the Rams. He wasn't the third of the Rams. He was the fourth fifth round pick of the Rams. Had they thought he was this good, he is not the fourth fifth round section uh, of the uh, of the Rams. Bing, where's your mock draft? I uh, just Googled it. I Googled Jay it's, it's, it's an audio version. It's audio version. It's on I, character concerns. I can't go on 610sports.com. And I can't read Download the Jay Binkley mock draft because I wanted it. to see where 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 Bowers was going to go. Well, we've had uh, some technical uh, issues there with some people, so we'll see what happens. Some technical issues? What are you talking about? You and Chris do the podcast in person. Wait, but we don't, do the we, we don't do the website issues. anymore. We don't do the website. It took Justin doing that, so we'll see what happens. Oh, my goodness. How do I know who's going to get selected without your mock draft? you got to listen to Todd I'll tell you. Listen to character concerns. You think, to I'm go- you think I'm going to Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and Daniel Jeremiah for my draft news? They don't know the Chiefs. I'm coming to you, Jay Binkley. I want to know what they can do to go get Brock Bowers. If they got to trade up to four oh, to go yeah. get him. And now I can't I can't just Google I think he's it. going five to the Chargers. So You think he's going five? I do. I do believe he's going five. Oh, wow. It just makes too much sense. Wait, wait, wait. So that means... Do you have the three quarterbacks, Harrison and Bowers, as your top five? I do at this point, yeah. Oh, but wow. I have Bowers going fifth to the Chargers, and I don't think the Chargers. You got the will... Patriots taking Jaden Daniels? Yes. The Chargers almost screwed it up, though, because they almost won. Well, they almost, they almost won mm-hmm. against the Bills there at the end. They would have screwed up there. It would have screwed up losing Brock Bowers. They're also the Chargers. I know, but that's how dumb they almost were. Brock Bowers is a uh, generational player. No, I, I think Brock Bowers is great. Him and Marvin Harrison Jr., man. Gonna be studs. You know what? I can't wait. And I will get back to these free agents. You know what I'm excited about? Let the Chargers get Brock Bowers. Let the Chargers get Jim Harbaugh and Brock Bowers. 
and just a random June day when I need to shake things up, I'm picking the Chargers to win the division. <laughs> I'm picking the Chargers to win the division. It's going to be, I'm telling you, it's going to be a slow day. The Royals are going to be 17 and 29. We're not going to have anything to talk about. And I'm going to come in here. I'm going to look at Rob and say, I got it today. Willing to talk about it. I got it today. I have the topic today, and I'm going to stand right before you and say the three-peat is not happening. In fact, they're not even winning their division because Jim Harbaugh is winning the division, and that's really going to get the people going. It's, it's more legitimate because of Harbaugh there. It's more legitimate because Harbaugh's there and no, Justin and, Herbert, and, and, and Herbert hadn't had that. And they're going to have Brock Bowers. If they have Brock Bowers. And they're going to have New Kelsey. That's what they're going to have. They're going to have new Kelsey with Herbert and the, one of the greatest coaches we've ever seen. Unless they go somewhere crazy like Joe Walt at offensive line or something. No, that's that's, what they, they, they could do that. But I would go Brock Bowers. But everybody was uh, – I remember when Jamar Chase was drafted. He uh, he was – everybody was talking about uh, Panay Sewell going instead of Jamar Chase and saying, nah, you pair him with Joe Burrow. You want to go back to the free you agents? Give the AFC uh, do that. But uh, if Brock Bowers does pass up the Chargers, people have been saying like late – 15 to 20, like the Bengals sitting there at 18 where he could go. Oh, I do at, not want to see Bowers and Bengals. If he's at 20, I might be advocating for the Chiefs to move Even up. Even if he's taking at 18, you got to find a way to get down. <laughs> yeah, I might be advocating. That's perfect. You ready to get back to the free agent? I am. Rob, hit the music again. Linebacker, Willie Gay. No, I think Willie, uh, even self-admitted, he's probably gone. <laughs> yeah, Willie Gay's going to play for another team. Jarek McKinnon. You think Jarek McKinnon is back? I think that the, the Jarek uh, show is done. I know they love him. They got him for the league minimum when they re-signed him. If he ain't on the Chiefs, I don't think he's in the league. I don't year. think he's in the league. You think it's over for Jarek yeah, McKinnon? Yeah, I mean, like, look at his You age. think he's a guest on the show? You think he's a regular guest every well, Tuesday? His numbers way down because he was hurt so much. I mean, he, he, was he, hurt a lot. he didn't even sniff the 500 yards receiving he had two years ago. Much, he had nine touchdowns after December. Much different player because of the injury. The injury, of course, with the Jet. Well, I think Jarek McKinnon could be back. He could be another one of those guys, kind of how you said. I think he's on the Show training the camp. camp roster. Yeah, I think Jarek McKinnon could be there. I, I wouldn't mind Jarek McKinnon. Unless they McKinnon. get Austin. I wouldn't mind Jarek McKinnon. If they get Austin, back. forget about it. You're the only one on this. The Chiefs are going to get Austin Eckler kicked. They're not going to get Austin no, Eckler. No, he's, he's, there's been a few people nationally that uh, like the fit and connection. Safety, Mike Edwards. He's a guy I'd be for coming back this I, year. I'd Mike be for it too because he shows I'm, some real leadership. And the Chiefs love, love, love safeties. And Mike Edwards has been a ball hawk, man. And he's been a great tackler. So I would like to see Mike Edwards back with this team. Especially because Mike Edwards isn't even that expensive. No. Last year, Mike Edwards had a base salary of $1.08 million. I'd like to see Mike Edwards. bring back Mike Edwards on a nothing yeah. deal. Bring I'd like Mike to see him Edwards back. back. I'm all for bringing Mike Edwards back. Of all the names that we've thrown out there, he might be the one, aside from Jones and Sneed, that I feel most passionate about coming back next year is Mike Edwards. Bringing him back on a, on a team-friendly one-year deal. Mike Dana. Can they afford Mike Dana? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think they can afford Mike, and I think they're, they're, they're hoping on Felix, and I think they're, man, they've gone you know back-to-back -back, uh, first-round picks at uh, Edge Rusher, so... I do not. I would love to see Mike back, but I think Mike outpriced uh, himself. I think Mike Dana might be Emmanuel Agba. I think he might sign like a two for 18 somewhere. Or maybe he's like Colin Saunders, maybe a little bit more than Colin Saunders. I remember Sanders, he signed that deal with the uh, New Orleans Saints. I could see Mike Dana being that player. He gets paid to go somewhere else. I could see that happening. Uh, Nick Allegretti is a free agent. Do you think he's back? He has a torn elbow. Yeah, that, that's the thing too. When's he coming back? Like, would it be during? Would he be an IR candidate? Obviously, second quarter of the Super Bowl, he'll be back. I could see him being an IR candidate. Them throwing him yeah. on the IR yeah, mid-season. You, you 
in case of emergency, break glass. Yeah, then you can bring them back. But yeah, I think they will. I mean, yes, what he did and stood up and played. He's played on all the Super Bowl teams. They really like Nick Allegretti because of his versatility. He could play all over the line. And they like that. Stepped in the Super Bowl. Boom. Hurt? Play hurt? Sure. Against that defense? Yeah. Let's do it. I don't even know how you continue to play football with a torn I don't know. It doesn't even make sense. That's a very crazy thing he did, which I love it. People are pushing on you and pulling on you. You, Your your elbow's blown out. You're just going to go out there and just play football? It's a tough guy move, man. Drew Tranquil. Is he back? I'd like to say he is. I'd like to say he is. I think they really like Drew Tranquil. And I think they like the fact of how much he likes his team. How he had options, but when they come play for the Kansas City Chiefs and win a ring. But he just does too much. And, man, he just really, really stepped in for Nick Bolton, didn't he? Just stepped right in. One of the Chiefs, what, top three leading tacklers this season, despite some deficiencies in snap counts. But I would 100% like to see Drew Tranquil. Can do too many things. Yeah, sometimes and I the way think, they use him, I love it. Sometimes I think I understand the NFL, and then other times I'm just like, bro, I spent all this time, and I don't know anything about it. How is Drew Tranquil available on a one-year, $3 million contract? With those stats and even adding in five sacks when he's not a pass rusher? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at his deal. The Chiefs got Drew Tranquil in the prime of his career for nothing. <laughs> like, literally for nothing. He was 28 years old. He signed a deal that guaranteed him $1 million. He then got a little bit of a bonus, some roster bonuses, some other stuff. His salary cap number was around $3 million last year. Like, how? How did this happen? How did the league let the Chiefs get Drew Tranquil for the for the? How did he slide to the fourth round? I don't know. It's a great question. It's a baller. I'd love to see him back. Derek Nottie. Man, he just keeps coming back, doesn't he? He just keeps coming back. And, man, he's been very serviceable against the run. And they got to work on defensive line because there's nobody coming back at this point. Well, who's coming back? Only uh, who's actually signed to come back? Is that Charles Amino? Well, I know what Minihue is. Oh, he's hurt. So and we'll see, uh, um, we'll see where he is. It, Charles Minihue is, is coming back, but it's a really thin line. I'm going to say Derek Nottie comes back on a cheap, con- cheap contract. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think you get him for probably that same one for three kind of deal. You get him. Neil on Farrell the- signed it. Forgot about that one. He's still signed. He I got mean, some snaps in the Super Bowl. Neil Farrell. I mean, you might as well put them fast forward to New Orleans. Dude. You got you got Neil Farrell coming uh, he, back. I'm just saying you got Neil back. Farrell coming. Rock Chalk. Well, Neil Farrell is coming back. Last one. Clyde Everett-Hilaire gone. You think he's you think he's done? Yeah, I think uh, he won't be back with the Chiefs. You think he's on an NFL roster next year? You know I do. I think Clyde's on a roster. It's, it's, it's tough, but there's a lot of teams looking for running backs, and running backs, you know, find their way on teams. We, just, we talk about running backs a dime a dozen. I feel like Clyde oh, yeah. is maybe the most dime a dozen running back in the NFL. But he's got experience. He'll end up on a team if the motivation's there. You know how mad I'm going to be if they sign Austin Eckler? Just you talking about, hey, I don't need your help that day on charger.day. You don't even need to come in that day, Carrington. I, I got running back day if they sign Austin Eckler to real money. If they sign Austin Eckler. No, it's real be... money. What about just regular average money? Yeah, The guy, who, the to... guy who was the leader of the fake running back union ain't signing yeah. to nothing money. Well, I mean, he might not have a choice based <laughs> on the season he just put together. Hey, do you want to play football again this year? What would you classify as real money for Austin Eckler? Just out of curiosity. What's real money? I'm looking at the running back deals from last year. What if he signs for Jamal Williams' contract, three for 12? That's not real. Anything over six per is real. Matt Bowen from ESPN had that uh, is one of the best fits with Kansas City Chiefs for his top 50 free agents. Okay. I'm looking at it. 
the amount of running backs that make six million dollars it's, it's probably low it's a very very small amount of running backs he is the leader of the running six back million club, dollars. i just looked this up here's the here's the running backs that make more than six million per christian mccaffrey alvin kamara jonathan taylor nick chubb aaron jones josh jacobs tony pollard saquon barkley James Conner, Miles Sanders, that's the list. Here's, here's here, let me say, I'll rephrase that. That's the list. SpotTrack has his estimated value this offseason as $5.4 million, and they expect a three-year, $16.2 million deal for Austin Eckler. I doubt he gets it. I, just, I doubt that, he gets that, it, too. Seriously, I doubt he gets it. That's the market value on SpotTrack. We love our guy at SpotTrack. Uh, if they, no, if he gets that number, you guys will join me in. Okay, come I on. Will. No. I will. I don't think that's a good contract for the Chiefs. I could think of some teams that is a good contract for his age. Though. No, you don't like it at all. Not at that age. How old is Austin Eckler? Twenty eight now. Yeah, he, he's, he's in the league for a minute. Twenty eight year running backs, man. There, he's twenty eight. He turns he, he turns twenty nine in May. He's twenty nine, yeah, so he's really old. really forty seven in, in human years. But he'd be a nice Jet McKinnon type for the Chiefs, and the guy just catches everything. Yeah, he's scary out of the backfield. I would be kind of excited if they got Austin Eckler to a deal. He'd just be, he just see, fit with his. He just fit. I mean, you think of him and, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and a fit. I'm looking at this year. He was he was super banged up this year. It's an I mean, Andy Reid. This year, Austin Eckler averaged 3.5 yards per carry. It was a down year with him. Is he cooked? No, I don't think he's cooked. He had 51 catches still. He had 107 the year before. Though. I know. Sound, I'm just saying. I if, think the injuries cut up to him this year. If you go from you were averaging four yards a carry to now you're averaging three yards a carry and we cut your catches in yeah, half. But that, but that line it, was terrible. It, it might was, be fair to ask, are you cooked? Well, that line was terrible with the Chargers, so we'll see what happens. That, that team was crap. Rob, you think he's cooked? You think Austin Eckler's done? Well done? He's got a lot of the same markers we talked about last year with Dalvin Cook as far as being cooked. This is... And Dalvin was... A nothing burger. This so. is year. This will be year eight for Austin mm-hmm. Eckler, and he's twenty nine years old, and he's but he was still, that type. But he yards was still, per carry way down. Yeah, but he was eight point five per reception. It was much different catching the football out of running the backfield. Eight point five running the football or catching the football. Excuse me. Okay. Would you like to answer some random questions on the other side? Let's do random questions. All right, text line 913-586-7610. If you have a random question for Jay Binkley, we'll be happy to ask it for you coming up on the other side. There are some very serious things I would like to ask Jay Binkley. We'll do that on the other side. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Kansas City is Nick Bolton. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Binkley here. Binkley, how you doing, man? What's going on, Doug? Rob? Are you ready to answer random questions, not only from me, but from the text line? 100%. Let's go. I just, you're one of my favorite people to just ask random questions to, you know, sometimes, sometimes the random questions, I don't even have them prepared. I just, I'm just looking at you and I just randomly, oh, this seems like a really good question to ask you. Like, did you watch the NBA all-star game? You know, I just want to know. Did not watch that. I did watch the three point and the uh, slam dunk. I mean, I had it on. 
but they quickly turned it off, man. I mean, I can't even sit there and watch the Pro Bowl, man, <laughs> for football. So I couldn't watch this either because the defense was just so – and I knew it was going to be bad, so I don't, no, I didn't watch I it. I did enjoy the three-point contest. The three-point contest was very enjoyable this year. It. The dunk contest, you know what? It might be time for us just to go on a break from the dunk contest. You know, at this upcoming season, let's not do it. Let's just expand the three-point shooting contest. Just jump over a car now instead of people. Like, I'm tired of looking at a check being jumped over. You know what time it is? Let McClung do a car. You ready? Ready. No, that's not. Random question time. Turn it it down, Rob. No, that was. Come on now. Oh, I just did it. No, you didn't do it right the first time. Random question time. Bink, what Chiefs Super Bowl team do you think is the best? They've had three. Um, Which one's the best? You know what? All around, I'm going to say, here's the thing. This defense was good. But la- I'm going to say last year's was because I think the offense is definitely better than this year's offense. And I think last year's defense wasn't as good as this year's defense, but it was 11th in the NFL in yards against and number two in sacks. And I think Philadelphia is better than San Francisco this year. Big, what, or uh, Rob, which one do you think it is? Which Super Bowl team do you think is the best? I had to pick a winning team because the 2020 team was the best team the Chiefs had. I agree with that. But there was no def- uh That, 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 that 2020 team was good. That COVID year team that was 14-1 yeah. and had the bye week yeah, game no, against the Chargers, that team was really good. I think the first one's the best one they've had. With Dawson? <laughs> Mike Garrett? <laughs> no, not that one. The first Patrick Mahomes team that oh, won the Dad, you said first one. Oh, my bad. I think you're going you know, back to Mike Garrett and Dawson and Stinnerud and... Out of this run that Will they've had, I think the first Super Bowl team is is the best one. The Hall of Famers are on that team. It's a bunch. You're like eight Hall of Famers plus coach. You're like eight Hall of Famers yeah. on this team. Huh? They're gonna put in Drew Tranquil, you know, because he, he was around <laughs> Patrick Mahomes one time. He's gonna get to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All right, let me ask you this question, Bink. Let's say that you are on one of those dating apps. You know, you've used them before, yep. Tinder, Bumble, whatever. Yep. You know, let's say Tinder. Let's say that you find out that you and Cheryl match with each, with each other. What's your opening message to initiate the conversation? So you like Cheryl. Cheryl's hot. Yeah. And you are picking up your phone and you're about to message Cheryl. What do you say? I said, let's just uh, meet for a drink first, see where it goes before we have a second date. You're not I've even burned. I've been burned too many times. You're it's not, not even starting with, hey, you're let's, just, no, let's, let's not just, do the full let's dinner. Let's cut thing. all that nonsense. Let's not do the full dinner thing. We've. Uh, done that you don't like the full dinner thing it's it's expensive way to go if you not don't have a connection with somebody where do you like to go take a young lady to eat um like if she was like oh, hey i really just like second dinner. date third date fourth no, date, the first date this is your first time meeting oh her. I, I don't like going to dinner with them the first date why do you not like going to dinner because you it, like to eat she likes to eat ends up being a costly experience and uh, you may not like that person how much are you spending on these meals too much you need me to help you find some some. Well, sometimes effective. they get nothing. Sometimes I hardly get anything, and it's like, whoa! It's check at the end of the night. I can't keep doing that. Apps okay. and drinks is definitely the best first date. Just drink coffee, whatever you want. Just Very meet relaxed. somebody the first time, Appetite. then go a second. Where, where are you taking people? Where all you're getting is appetizers. Well, you go, you and go to you go to a bar. You go to a, like one of these places, cocktail places. They offer like you know something to nosh on the table. If it's going well, then you can. Go to the next place, and if it's not going well, you're not locked in. You can eject pretty no. quickly. Exactly. Hey, I only have time for beer. Hey, I only have time for coffee. Whatever it is, you go in, and then if you have more time, you say, ah, my schedule just changed. Okay, I got you. Uh, can I tell you something? Or the high B gas station. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good I'm one. I'm not kidding. Hey, I, I'm I serious. Get everything. I'm serious. 
The Hy-Vee Market Grill. Yeah. One of the most underrated restaurants Completely. in the city. Completely. Oh, my goodness. I love the Hy-Vee Market Grill breakfast. Yeah. Big fan. Well, even at the gas stations, they have that. Plus the roller dogs, the roller hot dogs, roller food. They have Nathan's hot dogs there. Big fan yeah. of the... Of the uh, Everything this, you want. This is what I was going to tell you. Yesterday, I have driven past Dixon's famous chili at least 200 times in my life. Yep. And yesterday, I don't know what hit me. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go in here. Now, you know, I don't really like chili that much, but it seems like a Kansas City institution. It seems like a Kansas City staple. The one down here? The one over by the stadiums. The oh, one, by the stadium. There's yeah. another one over here, I think. I didn't there, I didn't know there was a Dixon. There, there's multiple Dixon chili. Well, what's that chili place, Rob, here in Overland Park? There's multiple not, not chili Dixon's. places? I don't know. I don't know there's another Dixon. I didn't know this. Oh, I could be wrong, but okay. I, it's an old, it's, it's been there forever. So I went to Dixon's Famous Chili because I had seen it time and time again, and I was like, you know what? I finally want to go in here so I can say that I've been to Dixon's Famous Chili. It was good. I see why they've been open since 1919. Dixon's I can see good. why they got a picture of Harry S. Truman on the wall, and now they got a handwritten note that Harry S. Truman used to love Dixon's Famous Chili. Very delicious. Come on, Texan. What the hell's that chili you? place here down here in Metcalf? Two thumbs up. Go to Dixon's Famous Chili over by the stadium. I forgot what it's called, but it's been here forever. I don't think it's Dixon's. I think you're think you're lying to us. I think you're giving out. No, it's not. It's not. It's not Dixon's. It's not. It's not Dixon's. It's something else. But here, you think the city's big enough for two chili well, there's, places? There's been Fritz's. Fritz's is good. When 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 Dixon's Famous Chili is on the block. What is the chili in Overland Park? What's your favorite appetizer if you're like at like so let's say that she's like, all right, I agree to go to appetizers and drinks. I really love chilies. I really love chilies. You go to chilies. And I'm saying, but what appetizer are you getting? I'll give you three. I'll give you three appetizers. Chips and salsa for sure. You can you can create your own appetizer platter. All right. Okay. So you got chips and salsas one. What else do you have? Uh mozzarella sticks. Okay. And those uh, Southwest egg roll things they have. Ooh, yeah, that's a good those one. are good, yeah. That's a good one. Rob, what's your three? You, really- let's say you and a young lady, you guys are out. I know this doesn't happen anymore. You're in a happy, committed, loving relationship. But back in the day when you used to take young ladies out, maybe you're taking Caroline out and she would like to go. And she's like, you know what? I really want to go to Chili's today. What would you get? Chips and salsa is a safe one. Chips and salsa on the list. Uh, the skillet con queso, a little cheese dip to go with your chips and salsa. Mm. Always great. And I'm with Bink here. Those Southwest egg rolls, that's the move. Okay. Because we're not counting, like, the chicken crispers that come as, like, an app as an app. So I get those as, like, a food. Mm. <laughs> that's good. I was kind of right. There used to be a Dixon's near 75th and Metcalf, but it closed a few years back. That's the one I had gone to. Mm. The Dixon's was over here. And by the way, Hayes uh, Chili in Burgers, too. The old school one on Vivian. I've never been, been, been over there. Before. Oh, Hayes, it's been Where there is forever. This Vivian Road? That's a Hayes Hamburgers, right? yeah, yeah. It's been there forever, man. I never heard of this like place. Like LC's before. hamburgers. LC's, we talk about the barbecue all the time, but the Hayes, uh, Antioch, I don't and think Vivian. I've ever been to LC's before. The original one that's up the there LC's by. LC's uh, Burgers? Yeah, it's up there by uh, by uh, Inatub on Prairie Road there. No, I'm, I'm not. You think I'm. The I Hayes not, Hamburgers has been there forever. I might not be from Kansas City. Now that you're, like, really explaining it to me, I don't know if I'm from here or not. I'm from Wamego. I'm not from Kansas City yeah, anymore. You, you really haven't been to, to Hayes? 
No, I've never heard of it before. It's, it's, it's this picture. I've it, never man, been to that place before. Cool place. Can we go there? Yeah. It's like a diner type thing. Yeah. Ice hamburger and chili. Bigley, you need to start a TikTok account where you just like go. Go. To, go to hidden gyms up north. Hayes Hamburgers. It's been forever, man. Hayes Hamburgers. How long has Hayes Hamburgers been alive? Uh, says uh, they've been there since 1955. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe you've never done that. It's right next to In a Tub. It's been a minute. I've yet. never heard of this place before. It's, it's just right by In a Tub. But it's, it's, I think I've actually seen it now that I'm looking at the outside of it. I think I've seen it. That's I the just, LCs by In a Tub. The Hayes is oh, off yeah, over okay. by uh, on Indiana Road. Might go there today. Hayes Hamburger and Chili? Hayes Hamburger and Chili. Oh, okay. I mean, this place will look kind of... Always open, man. 24-7? I don't I, I don't know when they close. Like, I don't think it's very often. <laughs> it can't always be open if it ain't 24-7. All it says it closes 10 p.m., I guess. Okay. I thought it'd stay open the whole night, but I could be wrong. I guess a lot of things change with COVID. I don't know. I'm learning, man. Somebody said that TikTok account already counts. What is it? I would love to know the TikTok account that just eats at places up north. I would love to. I didn't know this existed. Here you go. You can look it up on uh, Channel 41. They've got a nice little article on... Uh, the Hayes Hamburger and Chili, little diner north of the river in Kansas City since 1955. Burgers, triple chili cheeseburger, onion rings, sliders. Mm. Okay. All right. I would not advise a triple chili cheeseburger on a first date just to connect the two conversations. That's just the me thing. And also, let me give you another. Stomach out here doing the <laughs> Royal Rumble. <laughs> let me give you another. <laughs> it's a place called Danny's Burger Shack on North Oak. Danny's, what happened to Taze? I'm just saying, well, that too, but Danny's is on North Oak, and Danny's is getting a lot of love for great burgers, man. They're getting a ton of love. I've never heard of this. It's called Danny's Burger Shack. Are Danny and Taze, are they? they, They're different. different They're not. not, I thought maybe they got beef. Burger Wars. Same idea I got. Burger Wars. You can't have the same idea I got. The more wars, the better. Okay. means the uh, product for the consumer gets better, right? Binkley, man. My favorite, the best part of my day is just having random conversations with you. It was pretty random. Somebody said Harold's Drive-In. I'm learning about a lot of places here. I didn't never heard of Harold's Drive-In before. Only Harold's I know sells chicken. One time I offered this up at a night show Have you been to, years uh, ago. And they, they, I went to Lee Summit to like raise drive-in or something. It was unbelievable. It's like, the text line gave me an idea, so I went. Have it's like been, the Wamigo one. Have you been to uh, JJ's Chicken and Fish? I've not been there okay one time been the wings t- and things one time i took uh i took rob to uh city fish in kck he had never had that kind of fish before he was looking around he was like he was like grabbing his purse real tight <laughs> he looked he looked real shook but i i had i had him i had his back you he kind of he kind of got pressed a little bit but i protected him you wouldn't got a 300 burger didn't you Liberty I Bowl. just had a 300 burger like last week. For the Liberty Bowl? There. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> Incredible. It's a hidden gym. Incredible. The Liberty Bowl 300 burger. Yeah. You know, I live downtown. I made really? that drive Carrington? up there. It was fantastic. That's impressive. Yeah. I try to go up there like once, twice a year. That's impressive. Nice job. Burger. Nice job. Nice job. Uh, Bank, man. I appreciate you, man. Thanks a lot. That was fun. Thank you. Coming up on the other side, we'll get to very serious things like non-local burger places. Keep it right here. It's the drive. Congratulations on getting to your 9 to 5. Thank you so much for listening. It is The Drive on 610 Sports Radio. The college football playoff unanimously approves the 5 plus 7 model for the 12-team playoff. That means the five highest-ranked conference champions are guaranteed a spot. And then there's going to be seven wild-card spots. Those are the next seven-ranked teams. Missouri is going to be one of those top seven teams next year. They might actually be one of the top five as they're probably going to win the SEC next year. 
Rob, do you think that Kansas is going to be able to participate in the playoff? Or I think all three locals have a chance to be in the playoff. Do you know who I imagine is not happy today about this news? Notre Dame. Yeah, well, I mean, they got a choice. Why don't you go join the ACC then? My friend, go join the Big Ten and join a conference. I mean, they were going to win the tournament anyway. Come on now. Our whole life, all we've seen is Notre Dame get smoked in big-time games. So I'm just saying, if I'm, I don't care about Notre Dame getting affected by this. That's just life in the fast lane. But they just sign up for a system where they can never be top four. Go undefeated, you're the five seed. Well, Go get them. <laughs> Go get them, Tiger. Good luck. I don't know what to tell you. Good luck, Notre Dame. The real news is that Notre Dame signed to be a part of the college football video game that EA Sports is making. That's the real news today for Notre Dame. I don't care about them in the playoff. They're going to be in the virtual playoff, and that's all that matters. All right, so let's start the 5 o'clock hour with this. So the fine people over at KC Tenants, they wrote a letter. Now, you know, we try to reach out and we try to get these people on the show. And Rob texted me yesterday and said, do you want to have the KC Tenet people on the show and sent me the letter? And I read it and I said, yeah, of course, I'd love to have them on the show. Reach out to them. So Rob reached out to them. And they said that this week they are just letting the letter speak for themselves. And next week when they lift the ban, then they would be on the show. And I'm here telling you that I'm very excited to have the people from KC Tenets come on the show and talk about their opposition to the April 2nd sales tax vote to help subsidize the stadium. Now, I want to read for you this letter that they wrote, and we can talk about it. Quote, we love our city, and because of that love, we refuse to pay for our own displacement as landlords raise rents across the city and as our people struggle to find decent homes. The proposed downtown stadium would usher in a new wave of gentrification like such projects have in other cities. The proposed sales tax to fund the stadium would cost our neighbors $50 million each year for the next 40 years. That is about $167 per household per year, all to pay for a playground for the wealthy and for tourists. This is a regression tax, a tax on the working class. This tax revenue plus a future incentive deal with the city, which would direct money from our schools and other services, which would be among the largest transfers of public money to private corporations in our region's history. Let's stop here before we read the second half of the letter. Now, I don't know everybody's financial situation. I know my own financial situation. You know what I would not consider myself to be? Wealthy. I mean, I'm doing all right. I'm living comfortably, you know, but I would not consider myself to be wealthy by any means. I've been to Kauffman Stadium countless number of times. I imagine that many of you also have been to Kauffman Stadium. There are some places that I would consider to be a playground for the wealthy. That's not what I would consider Kauffman Stadium to be. One of my issues with this letter is it talks about Kauffman Stadium like it's also not part of our community, and it is. And events and things that we have had in Kansas City that do bring in tourists, that do bring in national exposure to Kansas City, we have only gotten that thing because we have a baseball team. We can disagree on where the stadium can be, but at least in this letter, Rob, before we read the second half of it, there's another paragraph left. We at least have to acknowledge the positives of having a Major League Baseball team 
and also an NFL team. And in this tax, I do think it is fair to note that if they are, if they are saying that it is $167 a household that you would pay into this tax, that means we give about $80 a year to the Royals and $80 a year to the Chiefs for them simply being in our community. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that you get $80 worth of value out of the Chiefs being here and out of the Royals being here? This is part of this conversation that to me seems a little bit dishonest. I know the Royals have not been great of late. I know. I have had countless meetings of things that I have said about the Kansas City Royals. If there's anybody that is aware how bad they have been, trust me, it is me. But it's better to have the Royals than not have the Royals. Even if you didn't go to a single game last year, it is better for you if you live in Jackson County that the Royals are also in Jackson County than if they move to Wyandotte County or if they move to Johnson County or if they left the area altogether. This first part of the letter doesn't at least acknowledge that very simple fact. And I think it's unfair to diminish Kauffman Stadium by simply calling it a playground for the wealthy and for tourists. No, it is one of the most important buildings and structure in our community is what it is. And I know plenty of people that go to Royals games. They ain't all wealthy. Now, some of them certainly are. And there are some seats for the wealthy. Rob. You and I both have sat out in the outfield, are in the upper deck, are bought the party port seats. Trust me, the outfield is not a playground for the wealthy. It's a place you take your family. It's a place you take girls on dates or your boyfriend on a date or whatever. It is a part of our community. And to me, and there's other parts about this, and we'll get to them. If you're telling me that I pay as someone who lives in Jackson County, If you were telling me that I pay, on average, $80 a year for the Chiefs to be here and $80 a year for the Royals to be here, I would say that I get my money's worth out of that $80. I get my money's worth. Now, there's other expenses that go along with it, but if that's the minimum that every person that lives in Jackson County pays toward each of the team, I would say that that's a pretty good deal for us. Let's move on to the second part. John Sherman and the Royals' ownership have withheld critical information from the public, waiting until a week before early voting to announce their location. They have made no substantial commitments to the community and KC tenants. They have been invited to discuss the project, but we have refused to engage in negotiations while details of the deal remain inaccessible to the public. Negotiations without transparency are not negotiations at all. They are a sham. Now... This part, I'm on Casey Tennant's side. I do not think the Royals have been very forthcoming about critical information. I do believe that the Royals have withheld critical information. I do think that the Royals have played this thing very poorly. And I've been very vocal on that this entire time. But I also don't think that the billion-dollar company is now going to walk us through this entire process. And as much as the Royals are really touting this, we're a community and we want to do right by everybody, You're a billion-dollar business. And if it comes down to you or me, you will choose you in every single scenario. That's what the Royals will probably do. If this thing passes, I don't believe that everybody is on board with what the plan is. 
And there's probably some businesses in that area that are going to be affected that hate it. And it probably will end up being bad for them. And the big business is going to come take in and they are going to take your business and they might not give you what you think is fair. And that is incredibly unfortunate. I hate that part of it. It also goes on to say that the teams who would benefit from this tax may threaten to leave Kansas City, but we must not allow ourselves to be manipulated into a vote against our best interests. Vote for the future of Kansas City and vote for the people who make this place great. Vote no on April 2nd. We have a vision for a better Kansas City, one where public resources are used for public goods, such as housing, schools, mental health services, transportation, and more. In the weeks to come, we will be engaging in a campaign to listen to the people of this city. Please get in touch with KC Tennis to join in. If you missed the very beginning of this, we have reached out to KC Tenants because I want to hear more about their vision for a better Kansas City, one where we use public resources for public goods such as housing, schools, mental health services, transportation, and more. Sign me up. I want a Kansas City that has all of those things. I also want the teams to remain in Jackson County. Like, I don't think you have to be opposed to both of those things. I want the stadium downtown. I also want this vision of a better Kansas City that they have, too. And we can say that we can't let the Royals or the Chiefs manipulate us into a vote against our own best interests. That's how professional sports works. It's the dirty business of it. And I struggle to find an American city over the last 30 years that have stood tall against the big, bad professional sports team and won in the end. Because I can give you a lot of communities that have done this exact same thing. No, we don't want to pay for it. And the owners are like, all right, cool. That's fine. We're moving then. And I'm not saying that the Royals will move away from the area, but I think it is very, very clear. If you vote no on this thing, and that is well within your right to vote no, I'm not telling anybody what to do. You go in there. You're a taxpaying citizen like me. When you walk in that voting booth, you vote with your heart what you feel is right. But just understand what your vote means. A no vote means that you are fine with them leaving Jackson County. I'm not fine with that. A no vote means that you are potentially fine with the Chiefs moving to Kansas. I'm not fine with that. So I plan on voting yes on this. I do want to learn more. I hope to learn more about this, but at the baseline of it, that fear motivates me to give them my $167 every year. (laughs) That fear motivates me. I don't want to see them play north of the river in Clay County. I don't want to see them in Wyandotte County. I don't want to see them move to Johnson County. And if that's what they got to get me to go vote yes, they got me. And I imagine they got a lot of you. Now, that might not be enough of a motivating factor for some of you, but that is enough of a motivating factor for me. And as somebody who has lived in the state of Missouri every day of my entire life, there is nothing you can do to motivate somebody like me more than tell me you are going to take something that I love in Missouri and move it across state line. I will do just about anything you want me to do in that scenario. And that's what the Royals would do. That's what the Chiefs will do if you vote no. And if that doesn't bother you, then vote no. Then vote no. But that is not my plan, Rob. What do you think about this letter from Casey Tennant? I think Casey Tennant brings up some fair questions and some fair points, and I think that's good by them. But I feel like every time Casey Tans gets brought up, maybe it's the history of their organization, maybe it's the perception is a better term. The perception of their organization is that they are zero or 100 all or nothing. So I think they bring up some good Royals points, but I'm curious what their path is going forward because I think the Royals and them are going to be opposed about this stadium going forward are they leaning to 
ready to lean in and make some compromise? Are the Royals ready to lean in and make some compromise? But we were pulling the cuts earlier today from when Denise Brown, who works for Casey Tennis, was on our show in December of 22, which, by the way, how long has the stadium conversation going? This December of 22. And she had the quote that you asked her, what does compromise look like? She said it looks like the Royals doing what they want. That's not a compromise not by any all. definition. That's the opposite of a compromise. So I wonder if the perception or the aura around their, you know, organization taints their vision. Cause a lot of the things they're saying in their letter, I think are fair, but I agree with you. I think the Royals are a net positive for the city. And while I'm okay with the billionaires paying more than that, and I'm worried about businesses being displaced, I think their end goal of the Royals are bad is when I disagree with. Like, this is the part, and uh, if you guys have a different interpretation, we're fine to have this conversation. CDOT, why are you fear-mongering? Leave the Chiefs out of it. Unless they say they are going to move, then quit saying it. I just, I, I, I continue to say this, and I haven't, no one has ever given me, give me an example of an American city where they have put something like this on the ballot. The people have said no, and everything stayed status quo. Give me one example. Because I can give you 10 examples of in American cities when this happens, when they put something very similar on the on the voting box. Hey, you, the public, get to decide if you want to continue paying for this. And the public said no. And you're entitled to say no in that scenario. So just at least my understanding, we think that this thing fails. And the Royals and the Chiefs are like, ah, you know what? You guys are right. You win. You know what? We love it here at the Truman Sports Complex. And this same stadium that we keep telling you is old and outdated and that we need this money to continue doing it. Eh, you know what? We got it this time. We'll figure it out. I don't think that's fear-mongering. I think that is just the reality of this situation. I don't think the Chiefs come back in two months and they give you the same tax. And this year, they, and they do it without the Royals. If that was their plan, why are they not doing that from the beginning? The Royals are the ones that are at the forefront of this. The Chiefs could very easily break off from the Kansas City Royals and say, we'll figure it out on our own. We don't need your help to do any of these things. This is what you want. We don't need any of this. We don't want a new stadium. You guys want a new stadium. The Chiefs have also tied themselves into the money that is going to be generated by this sales tax. They absolutely have been part of it. So at least that's what I think happens. Now, maybe it ends up working out the two, three years from now, this gets figured out. But I mean, the conversation about the Chiefs moving to Kansas will absolutely get louder if this thing fails. That right now, I would say it has been pretty subdued. The Chiefs have told you what they want you to do. The Chiefs have told you they want you to vote yes. They have told you exactly why they want you to vote yes. If they get the no vote, which, I mean, I think it's going to pass, but that's another conversation. If they get the no vote, all the fear, you think I'm fear-mongering, Mark Donovan will be on, he, he will be on television the day after, and they will start entertaining Kansas right openly in front of you. Maybe, maybe this is like semantics or parsing words. I would say it's not fear-mongering, I'm using air quotes, by us to suggest the Chiefs could end up in Kansas. The Chiefs themselves have talked about Kansas as an option. Mark Donovan, at the beginning of training camp last year, spoke to the media at Missouri Western and St. Joe, and he was asked about the stadium, and he said quite simply, our preference is to stay at Arrowhead. We think we're going to get the sales tax extended, so we're going to save, stay there, and renovate. That's our top preference. We've also looked at what staying in Jackson County, but moving in another place in Jackson County would look like. 
We've also looked at moving out of Jackson County. Those are three things that are on the table. Mark Donovan said that six months ago. We played the cut on this show. I think the midday show, Cody and Gold, because it was that during training camp, carried that press conference live. So to say it's the drive or Carrington or Carrington and Rob or whatever is fear-mongering, we are just connecting dots. The Chiefs have talked about Kansas. It has happened. We understand that if the tax fails, that is where the next conversation is going to happen. I don't consider that fear-mongering in the least. No, not at all. I mean, someone said, see, I'd like to hear some of these examples. There was a vote in Oakland in July of 2022 for a new stadium. There was a vote. The vote lost five to two. It lost. It went, it went to city cattle, so it lost. They're about to lose their team. There was a vote in St. Louis. They needed a new stadium. The people in St. Louis said, no, we don't want to pay for it anymore. They moved. Again, I'm not here saying that I think the Royals are going to move, but in Chicago, they are doing the exact same thing. Hey, do you guys want this stadium to continue to remain in the city of Chicago? And if you don't give us our money, we're moving to the suburbs. That's the same conversation that the Royals are going to have if this thing doesn't pass. I mean, this is just, this is how it works. We're going to put this to a vote. Hey, we would love for you guys to vote yes. If you don't vote yes, we will find other options to move. This happened to Seattle with their basketball team. They wanted a new stadium in downtown Seattle. They voted no. That team moved to Oklahoma City. They moved. Hell, Kansas City was being used for this. Remember when we were supposed to get a team? Pittsburgh, they were doing the exact same thing. Hey, we want a new downtown arena. If you guys don't pay for it, we're moving to Kansas City. Hold on, wait, we'll pay for it. And then they stayed. This is how American cities work. This is how you keep teams, and this is the leverage that you have over communities to get what you want. This is the leverage that works. I'm not saying it's the right thing. I'm just telling you that that's how these things work, is they hang the we will leave over you, or we will move out of your community to get you to do what they want to do. And the Royals are going to do the exact same thing. This happened in Houston. This happened in Baltimore. This is, this is how American cities operate. I am very happy to have the Casey Tennis people on the show. I'm very excited to hear what they have to say. And I think they make some very good points. I do think the Royals have been very nefarious with information. I don't think that the negotiations have been very transparent in this entire process. But I also think that our community is better with the Royals in it than without. And I mean, like, the community of Jackson County. I think it is better with them in it, so I want them to stay. So at least that's my plan. My plan is home voting, yes. We did have um, Denise Brown. She's the media person. I believe she'll be the one that will be on the show next week. I'm not 100%. She's the one I reached out about because of our history with having her on the show, but uh, no guarantees. So we asked her, what does compromise look like for the Royals? This was last year. That's what she said. Well, we put it to you this way. It's not a matter of stopping it. We're willing to compromise, but only on our terms. That's the only way that we would move forward with it on our terms. Just that doesn't sound like a compromise to me. It just doesn't sound like a compromise. In fact, it sounds like the exact opposite of a compromise to me. We're willing to compromise if you do it our way. That's okay. What if the Royals said that? Can you imagine the backlash? Willing to compromise? Do it our way. End of compromise. I mean, that, I mean that, that actually sounds like voting yes on the stadium. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like to me. All right, I'll play one more thing. This is uh, Denise Brown at KC Tennis. We're hoping to get her on the show next week. She says she's tired of paying for their stadium. Sherman is a billionaire. But yet, he wants us to fund the stadium for him. 
that stadium could be done by private donations. And if he's a billionaire, he definitely knows how to work that and do it if he chose to do it that way. I think sometimes when we have these conversations, you guys get really mad at me for my position, and that's perfectly fine. Sometimes I tell you what I think is going to happen. Sometimes I tell you what I feel, and sometimes I tell you what I know just based on how other cities work. There are not many instances of a stadium like the Royals that is 100% privately uh, financed. There are currently two. There is the Cowboys Stadium that Jerry Jones just pays for. That's why they call it Jerry World. And SoFi Stadium, everybody else's stadium, every other stadium that you have been to, there is a private-public relationship. In the city, you help pay for some of it. It is just one of those things. What's that saying about you not being able to fight City Hall? I just don't fight City Hall on this thing. Do I want the Royals to remain in Jackson County? Do I want the Chiefs? Yes. So I, I just plan on voting yes. And if you don't feel that way, then vote no. But that is at least my position. That is my stance. And I'm very excited next week to be joined by the people of KC Tennis to hear more about their side. They are going to be some of the most vocally no people about this issue. And I, I firmly believe this is one of the biggest issues of our lifetime at least in terms of how it shapes Kansas City. This is transformative in a way that not many other projects are. They are moving the stadium from a place that it has its own area, and it's not really a – you have two stadiums and nothing but parking lot around it, and now they are going to build on top of buildings and put it in the heart of a growing community. This is not like the airport. They just built the airport right next to the other one. No one is really that inconvenienced by them building the airport. This is a major inconvenience. They're doing a major construction project in the heart of Kansas City, Missouri. This is one of the biggest stories of our lifetime. And I'm really excited to talk to the people from KC Tennis to get their stance on it. Keep it right here. So drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. The home of the Royals is 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. This letter was published in the Kansas City Star earlier today. We got enough time to talk about Chris Jones and LeJarrius Sneed. You know, we'll give it a break for a little bit. This letter was published in the Kansas City Star. It was in their opinion section. Now, there are some opinions that I know will always get a rise out of Kansas Cityans. And the Star, oh, they're good at it. They're good at publishing those opinions. Like at this point, I'm tired of having the debate on whether you should do the arrowhead chop or not. I don't I don't I don't want to have it anymore. I mean, you probably shouldn't do it, but at this point you're gonna do it, you know? That's up for you to figure out. How many times have we had the can you say home of the Chiefs? Is that disrespectful or can you say it at other stadiums? Brian, just do what you're gonna do at this point. I, okay. I don't wanna have it anymore. Rob, this is becoming one of the new debates. This is an this is a Letter in the star. Congratulations to the Chiefs, players, the organization, 
and the entire Kansas City region for an exciting season and an epic Super Bowl win. Reaching the summit of the sport calls for celebration. Unfortunately, the ubiquitous overt drinking, receiving IV fluids for hangovers, and public display of drunkenness with the mouthpiece in front of tens of thousands of people at last week's victory rally is unconscionable and destructive on many levels. Three of our best-known and revered players, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Chris Jones, were prominent in their intoxicated states. With their positions and notoriety, they have the potential to do great as role models for young people and families. Instead, they chose to make fools of themselves. Why do we as fans in the Chiefs organization condone such behavior? What other profession would allow seemingly and expect these sort of actions. If a player is too wasted at the rally to stand steady, speak, or act responsibly, then maybe there needs to be an adult in the room to throw a flag and tell this person to take a back seat. How much harm are we doing by undoing the messaging that our youth receive in schools, youth groups, and at home about the dangers of drug and alcohol consumption were done by witnessing the actions of their heroes. Alcohol abuse, including binge drinking, has serious personal and societal consequences. It continues to go on, but I think you guys understand. I mean, this guy, he kept going in this letter. A couple of things. I think we have to acknowledge that Patrick Mahomes is a human being. A human being that... Like most other people, he does things that you really, really like. After the shooting that took place at Union Station, Patrick Mahomes could literally be doing anything that he wants. He and his wife took time out of their day to go down to Children's Mercy and meet with the children that were affected by the gun violence that happened down at Union Station. Patrick Mahomes has given millions to children's charities. 15 in the Mahomes, they built a park that you can take your kids to right now if you want to in our city. Patrick Mahomes has been a great ambassador to Kansas City. That is one side of Patrick Mahomes. But we also know that Patrick uses language that you probably don't want your seven-year-old to use. You want to know how I know? They mic them up. You want to know how I know? I watched a television show on Netflix where he used that language kind of frequently. Patrick Mahomes also drinks. We know that. That's not a secret. If you're a fan of the Chiefs, you know he's done that at every single parade. Now, I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes can't be your kid's role model, but like other role models, there are things that he does that you like and appreciate, and you certainly want your kid to mimic those actions. And then on the other side, Patrick Mahomes is a human being that you can't endorse every single thing that he does, and that's okay. Rob, what confuses me about this letter, what confuses me about people's stances, I just don't know what else you expected at the parade, given the fact that we had seen them before. This wasn't the first time that they've had a parade. This also wasn't the first time that you have seen Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey intoxicated. I know it's not the first time that you've seen them intoxicated in this very public setting. So I just don't really know what the expectation was in this event. I personally don't care. And I don't say it like it's not important. I say it is as long as Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey or Chris Jones or any other player that decided to drink alcohol that day, as long as they didn't drive, I don't care what they do in this scenario. You are an adult. You are free to make your own choices. 
And as long as you didn't drive home and get behind the wheel of a car and endanger not only yourself but the livelihood of people around you, you are allowed to make a fool out of yourself if that's what you think Travis Kelsey did on the stage a couple weeks, or I guess last week. It just doesn't bother me at this point. I guess in this, I just understand that's kind of what happens at these things. Like, you don't go to the club and then be like, man, this music is really loud. What else did you think was going to happen here? Yeah, they got a strobe light and loud music is playing and people are drinking and girls are dancing. What else did you think was going to happen? What else did you think was going to happen at the Chiefs championship parade other than what happened out there on the stage and alongside the parade route? Because everything I saw was to be expected. They were excited. They were drinking. They were waving. They got out. They were passing goats around and jerseys and high-fiving everybody. I've seen this movie before. This is the third movie. You just can't surprise me with anything that happens at this standpoint. I don't really have any problem with anything that happened, but I have seen other people. And I can at least acknowledge this part. Not Patrick, I don't really think was the issue. Travis seemed a little bit more inebriated than he had been in years past. Travis was having a good time. Now, I don't know if it was because your girlfriend was out of town. I don't know what it was. But Travis was, he was feeling very, very good on that day. You could tell he was obviously drunk up there. But again, as long as you don't get behind the, the wheel of a car and drive, I just don't really have a problem with what happened. We agree. I have no problem then. They're responsible adults. I know in some form or fashion the team gets them home, so they're not getting behind the wheel of a car. So I agree with you. But there is one thing that I don't like about the parade, and it's not even the player's fault. I, I have no beef with the players. They're grown-ups who can drink, and if they want to drink too much and try to grab the mic and embarrass themselves, that no one walked away from that event and said, man, Travis Kelsey was so drunk. How embarrassing for the city. That was embarrassing for Travis Kelsey. But one complaint, maybe frustration I have, is that it's the people, the players are drinking that much. I know they're getting home responsibly. I don't know about the fans on the route. Like, I'm not saying everyone's inebriated or everyone's going to make bad decisions or anything like that. But for the guy who's waving at eighth and grand, what if he's had seven or eight Coors Lights? Now he's getting in a car and driving home. I don't know for a fact he has lined up a safe ride. And it's possible that maybe he feels more comfortable drinking eight to 12 Coors Lights while standing in front of Grand Slam to wave to the players because he knows the players are doing that too. So I don't care if the players drink. I don't care if they're seen drinking, but if there is some thought, some notion that maybe if they tamper down their drinking, Larry and Lenexa is less likely to drink and drive home. That would be good because I do not like the amount of consumption done by the fans there. Cause I can't guarantee they're getting home safely and their lack of safety could impact and affect others. Yeah. Someone on the text line says, see that. I mean, Kelsey did look like an idiot. He couldn't even talk. That is a poor image. I'm all for do you want to, uh, I'm all for do what you want to do. I guess I just don't care. Like, I, I, I don't say that to be condescending. I I just don't care how Travis Kelsey decided to celebrate the parade. And if you think that Travis Kelsey looked goofy in the celebration, you're, you're more entitled to feel that way. What I guess I really push back on is this notion of, hey, you got to be better role models. I mean, but isn't the thing that we should teach kids is that our role models aren't perfect? That's the message in this, right? I'm not saying that Travis Kelsey or them did anything wrong, but Patrick Mahomes is a human being. There's some things that human beings do that you really like. There's some things that human beings do that you don't also like. You can still love that person. You can still worship that person. You can still cheer for that person and want them to have success. 
But there are qualities about this person that you like, and there's also qualities about this person that you don't like. Like Patrick Mahomes is a really, really good football player. And he is an example to your kids to try hard and apply yourself and be very giving and charitable the way that Patrick Mahomes is. But he also will say a word during a football game that you don't want your nine-year-old to say. He can be both things in that scenario. That He also can be the guy that's going to have five Coors Light up there on the stage and celebrate his championship. And you tell your son or daughter, that's what adults do. You're not an adult. You're not an adult. I just always think in these scenarios, parents always get upset by now they have to parent. That's what you signed up for. Something happened. Your kid asked you a question. They see this thing. Now it is up to you to have the responsible conversation with your kid about what is acceptable in your home. Only you can determine that. I just, it just, I don't know. Again, don't drink and drive. That's really the message of this. Don't drink and drive. That's it. Don't drink and drive. And as long as they didn't do that, you are entitled to celebrate the parade how you want to celebrate it. Go up there, have fun, have a good time, make sure you got a safe ride home. And I hope everybody did that, that made the decision to drink and go to the parade because, trust me, they were not the only people that were drinking at that parade. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. You're listening to The Drive. Now CDOT's got one extra point. Welcome back into The Drive on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com and the Odyssey app. Appreciate you being here and making us part of your day. I'm really frustrated with the NBA right now. Now, I know some of you are going to be like, see, we told you we hate the NBA. I think that most of your beliefs and preconceived notions about the NBA are wrong. But when you're right, you're right. And I try to give credit where credit is due. And this weekend, the effort that I got from NBA players, it's just I've reached my boiling point with them. We had to change the rules to make sure that they played more regular season games because they were just openly taking games off. Just I don't want to play today. You know, I'm okay. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch it with you. And. I think it just, it got me because I I really had, I really had like a couple of like old people moments this weekend. Rob, the first moment is I'm sitting there with the little one and somehow the little one is really into like cooking videos, right? Like she really likes cooking videos. So, you know, sometimes we'll sit there and we'll watch them, you know, he likes it. Like, Ooh, what are they making? You know how kids are. So a cereal TikTok popped up and we were watching this cereal. This guy, he like tries cereal and, and he, he rakes them, right? And as I'm watching this TikTok and she's asking me questions about the cereal, Rob, it hit me. Our parents let us eat this? 
That's nothing but sugar. That was the first thing that popped in my mind. Not, man, that bowl looks good. Like my teeth started hurting as I was watching this video and I started thinking, why would our parents serve us this food that had no nutritional value? It's just sugar and milk is what I was thinking. And then as I was thinking this, I'm thinking, man, am I getting old? Like now I'm hating on cereal? Like, man, I used to love Lucky Charms. I used to love cereal, and now I'm hating, and I'm just calling it nonsense. I started to feel old. And then as I'm watching the NBA All-Star game, I really started to have a back-in-my-day moment. Man, they used to always they used to be this way, man. The players used to care. They used to try hard back in the day. I was, I was having this conversation with myself as I'm watching the NBA All-Star game. I'm not asking the players to dive on the floor for loose balls. I'm really not. I'm not asking the players to pick up full court and slap the floor like this is Duke basketball in 2001. I'm not asking you to do that. Can you get back on defense? Can you put your hands up? Can you try? Can you look like you want to be there? Luka Doncic is one of the five best basketball players in the world. Luka Doncic had no interest of being in Indianapolis and playing in that game. You saw that dunk attempt. He looked like a seventh grader who was trying to dunk and just couldn't get there. Another time they inbound the ball to Luka, and it was like somebody who didn't know the buttons for a video game and just three-fourths of the court just throws it up at the rim and just see, bro, if you don't want to be out on the court, then get off the court. Why are you doing this? Why am I wasting my time? watching you play and then after the game I wanted to hear what they had to say because it was obvious that Adam Silver was not happy with the all-star game and they asked Anthony Edwards hey how do you get more effort he's like man I don't know I mean it's our break and I realized that at that point it's over there is no more all-star weekend there is no more all-star game it's cooked it's done it's done it's over they don't care they don't try hard They're too busy podcasting and trying to be on NBA league fits. They don't care anymore. That's not how it was when I was growing up. There used to be pride. They used to want, they used to want to play. Now, Hey, NBA player, can you play? No, I can't. No, I don't. I can't do it. Something's going on. I can't. They're the only players that we got to do this with. You don't do this with NFL players. Don't do this with baseball players. The NBA players, all they want to do is podcast and play video games, and I'm sick of it. I'm done. I'm boycotting the league for the rest of the regular season. I'll be back for the play-in game, so I'll be back then. They actually try then. They actually care. Then it's a lot of fun. It's only college basketball for me, playing on the front of the jersey, not the back of the jersey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.